When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Radio 77, WABC. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIRFM, Hampton Bays. Oh, you're my best friend. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Police tell us the FBI is searching the home of a top fundraiser for New York Mayor Eric Adams. The mayor suddenly canceled his trip to Washington, D.C. We don't know if this raid is connected, but Eyewitness News reporter Darla Miles is in the newsroom following the latest developments. Darla. Uh, David, this is what we know right now. FBI agents are searching the home of Mayor Adams' chief fundraiser, Brianna Suggs, in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. The raid comes as Mayor Adams abruptly canceled a trip to D.C. to meet with other major city leaders on ways to tackle the migrant crisis. According to the New York Times, Suggs is a major player in Mayor Adams' fundraising efforts, which has already raised more than $2.5 million for a 2025 re-election campaign. I feel extremely comfortable about about how I comply with rules and procedures. I've stated this over and over again. I hold myself to a high standard. I hold my campaign to a high standard, and I hold uh, my staff as a city hall to, the, to a high standard. I'm very clear that uh, it is my responsibility uh, to hold myself to a high standard, and uh, I, I will comply with any inquiry that's made, and, and I'm, I am demanding that our team do the same. Comments on the Middle East from President Biden who called for a humanitarian pause in the fighting to allow the hostages to get out of Gaza. Now, the president stopped short of calling for a ceasefire, but there is growing international pressure on Israel to show some restraint after two straight days of Israeli bombing that killed civilians in a refugee camp. Moss claims that more than 3,600 children have been killed in Gaza since this conflict began. Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison will step down. A high-ranking law enforcement source with the department tells CBS2 Harrison plans to turn in his resignation. The 54-year-old was sworn in for the role in January of 2022, and soon after, he created a special joint task force dedicated to the Gilgo Beach murders. Then in July of this year, suspect Rex Hewerman was arrested. It's unclear when Harrison's last day Will be or where he is going. Former New York City Police Commissioner Tishan Sewell has a new job with the New York Mets. She is joining the organization in a newly created role as Senior Vice President, Security and Guest Experience. Sewell left the NYPD in June after 18 months, and she begins her new job with the Mets November 27th. Among the tens of thousands of people running the world's most famous marathon, I saw this little hill. Dozens of New York's finest, including some at the very top. I'm very excited. I'm ecstatic. Tanya Kinsella is the second highest ranking person in the NYPD. Her best friend, Gloris L. Lee, commands a precinct on Staten Island. They've come up together in a field once dominated by men. Together they've trained, and together they will run. 17 years by her side, broke the same bread. 
wore the same clothes and you said we're sisters with nothing between if one of us fall the other will soon be following both of you feel the same day you don't know why one of you And you lay your body down on the floor You're desperate to hear Footsteps again But this house is on fire We need to go That's got so many meanings today. One for your life from the New York City Marathon, which comes your way on Sunday. And my beautiful wife, Danielle, will be running it for the sixth time, her sixth New York City Marathon, her 40th marathon overall. Tom Biggers, NYPD, actually runs the NYPD Marathon Running Group, and he will join me live coming up at 8.15 this morning, the fray. Run for your life. And, of course, run for your life could also mean some of the folks in Gaza. You know, we started this um, open today. Justin Ellick does a great job with it every day with the Eric Adams story. The mayor, of course, was in Washington, D.C., set to meet with uh, that creep Joe Biden, I guess, or folks from the White House about the migrant crisis. He never even made it into the White House when he had to turn the plane around. And it turns out that his chief fundraiser, Brianna Suggs, her home in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, was being raided by the FBI. They walked out with a whole bunch of boxes. But Eric Adams very, very um, confidently said yesterday, I comply. I do nothing wrong. I play by the rules. And it's funny because last night I went to this really nice event. I talked about it. 
yesterday on the show, the 2023 Humanitarian Awards Reception. It was put on by the New York Board of Rabbis at the gorgeous Pierre Hotel, Fifth Avenue, New York City. And I'm walking in about 6 o'clock last night, and who walks in with me? That's right, Mayor Eric Adams. <laughs> so I, I walked right over to him. I said, Eric, you okay? He said, I'm great. I said, you sure? He said, Sid, I'm great. And then we um, went into the ballroom, and Eric Adams made a nice little speech talking about Israel and Judaism and all those important things. And then I didn't see Eric the rest of the night. I know he had three or four events last night, but how ironic. I was talking to Manash Shapiro, who happens to be the assistant chief of staff. He's a wonderful guy. I love Manash. Great guy. About Eric. And in comes Eric right behind him, so I saw him. But I do want to get to this uh, Turkish flag deal because a week ago, I think exactly a week ago today, my guy Curtis Sliwa, who will join me as he does every weekday in about an hour, he was yelling and screaming that Erdogan is a bad guy, which he is, the president of Turkey. He's a really bad guy. He's in the, the Putin class, murders his own people, you know, the whole thing. And why would uh, Mayor Eric Adams last Friday be raising a Turkish flag here in New York City when Erdogan is out there praising Hamas? And it seemed like a very good question at the time. Well, now that we learned that part of the issue yesterday from this FBI raid was that they're looking into whether or not Eric Adams received illegal donations from Turkey. Now, it kind of makes sense, but still not really. To try to make sense of all of it, here's my news director, Noam Layden. Good morning, Noam. Good morning. Yeah, so uh, said the feds, you know, raiding this home early Thursday morning um, over this kickback scheme involving the Turkish government and a Brooklyn construction company. We don't, you know, have all the details. Wait, it's a Brooklyn construction company? Yeah. What are the names of these uh, mobsters? Um, do the, we know? Yeah, we do. It is... Um, are they, are the, they Italian? Uh don't know if they're Italian. They right. are called um, KSK. KSK. Do we know the, the players at KSK? Don't know the players. All right. KSK. So they're saying that, that the Turkish government gave money through the Brooklyn Construction Company to Eric? Uh, I'm confused. It, we don't know how all the details, but it sounds like, first of all, they were taking money from a foreign government, if this is true, which you're not allowed to do. And that maybe then the city, if we're piecing this all together, then the city then hired this construction company that somehow had connection to the Turkish government. Ah, got it. So they gave this company some work. Yeah, again, don't know 100% don't know. of all okay. the details. This is just sort of piecing I. together. Something tells me that this, uh, this young girl, Brianna Suggs, is finished. She's done. Something also tells me that Ingrid, everyone who knows Eric Adams knows Ingrid, she's going to be done. But something also tells me that Eric Adams is going to be fine. In fact, unscathed by this. I read something in today's New York Daily News that they're having all kinds of difficulty finding anybody, anybody on the left to even compete against Eric Adams in 2025. So my thoughts are Suggs, trouble, Ingrid, trouble, Eric Adams, fine. Any thoughts? No yeah, one? that that might be right, but we just we just don't know. And in terms of that flag raising last week, we don't know what the connection is. But 
it was interesting that the mayor was going to raise the Turkish flag. This was a day after the Turkish president had said that he was a fan of Hamas and what they had done <laughs> to Israel. So I had reached out to Fabian Levy, who is the mayor's spokesperson. He's a good friend of mine, Fabian. And I said, hey, what's up with this? Why is he going to this flag raising? And they didn't get back to me for a long time, but then eventually they did. And I heard from one of his um, underlings who said that the mayor is a proud supporter of Israel and then sent me all these videos of the mayor praising Israel. Right. Then at about 7.30 at night, I got another statement from him, which seemed awfully odd. And then it went on to say that the mayor does these flag raisings all the time in support of local communities, but it's not an endorsement of the foreign governments or their leaders. So I don't know why all of a sudden he felt the need to explain himself even more at 7.30 at night. I found that odd. Whether it's connected to what's going on today, I don't know. All right, fair enough. We'll get uh, more on that. So I go to this uh, dinner last night. Like I said, I walked in with Eric Adams, Sumanash Shapiro. Of course, um, our leader is here. Wonderful people, John and Margot Katsimatidis. God, I love them. They um, they had a table last night at this uh, wonderful dinner. They had a pretty good table out there. Paul Carlucci was there, Mr. Fox News, New York Post, Governor David Patterson, and Curtis's ex-wife were at that table. So I'm sitting in the back, right? I'm, I'm there with my friend Anthony Carone. So we're sitting at a table in the back, me, Anthony Carone, Jen Raj Kumar. You know who she is, the local um, Democrat city council lady. She's in uh, Queens. And I see a whole bunch of very cool people, by the way, from our very own Suzanne Miller, Eleonora Sarugo, uh, Michael and Marilyn Kemper. Mike, of course, in charge of the transit. My big guy, uh, Mark Oranger. Uh, and a lot of cops were there last night, too, both former and current. Jeff Madry was there, the former NYPD commissioner. I saw Dermot Shea last night. There's a great picture of me on my Instagram. you got to follow me on Instagram this morning, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or on Facebook, Sid Rosenberg, a great picture of me and Cardinal Dolan, which Curtis is going to be angry about. But I loved uh, talking to Cardinal Dolan last night, Rabbi Potashnik, and then, of course, uh, the guys that won the awards last night were A.R. Bernard and my dear, dear friend, Keith Kantowitz. <laughs> I tell you, the guy from uh, Channel 7, locally, WABC, David Ushery, was the host, and I loved him. He was great. In fact, at one point, he goes, you know, when he gave A.R. Bernard the trophy, he goes, the award, excuse me, he goes, you know, I've been on the, uh, the Rev and the Rabbi's show on WABC Sunday mornings, and then he goes to the crowd, but the bigger question is, how do I get on Sid Rosenberg's show? <laughs> I saw him <laughs> afterwards, and I said, thank you. He goes, no, I'm serious. I'm dying to be on your show. So I thought that was a very nice compliment from uh, David Ushery. So anyway, I'm sitting in the back with Caron and Jen, and all these speakers get up there, and they get to the Israeli consulate, okay? And I don't know who the guy is, but uh, Rabbi Potashnik was like, you got to get this guy on. So the guy's up there, and what does he do? He commits uh, the cardinal sin, Cardinal Dolan. He starts to thank the American government and Joe Biden. So you have to understand, I'm sitting there going, what? Like, really loud. This is a very big ballroom. Uh, The acoustics are very, very good. Nobody's (laughs) talking. And I'm like, what? Bullshizzle. So Potashnik turns around and goes, shh, Sid, stop. I'm like, no. So he goes on and on about how Joe Biden is pro-Israel. I'm like, you got to, 
So at one point, I'm yelling and screaming. I'm not kidding you. I swear to God. <laughs> Suzanne Miller calls me over. Sit down. Please be quiet. <laughs> Patashnik is telling me to shut up. I swear to you. And I get up in a crowded room, and I walk to the back of the room, and I slam the door and walk out. And I did not come back in until this guy was finished speaking. Because I have to tell you a story. On the way to this event last night, I get a text. You ready for this? From Mark Levin. Mark Levin texted me about 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon. And he sends me something that Tom Cotton had said on Fox News earlier. And it goes like this. Biden is now secretly pressuring Israel to allow fuel into Gaza. Hamas has huge reserves of fuel that can be used for civilians and hospitals, but instead they're using it to stockpile their rockets and terror tunnels. Biden literally wants to fuel Hamas's war machine. Israel should flatly reject this outrageous pressure campaign, confident that the Congress has its back. And I go, Levin, why are you surprised? Joe Biden doesn't care. He hates the Jews. Anybody, anybody who's asking for a pause or a a ceasefire hates the Jews. I said, Mark, go back to a stay with the Obama organization administration when Obama was sending pallets of cash in the middle of the night to the Palestinians in Hamas. This is nothing new. He goes, yes, Sid, he goes, but this son of a bitch, that's what Levin wrote, this son of a bitch is actually threatening Israel. I said, well, here's what you got. First it was, stand pat, don't do anything. Take the 8,000 rockets, take all the murders on October the 7th, and don't do anything. That was Biden's first recommendation. After the stand pat, now it's pause. Take a pause to get the hostages out because too many people are dying. Now it's, hey, let me tell you something, this fuel issue, I'm going to provide Hamas with all they want, even though we know this goes towards terror towards Israel. And, of course, we all know that Joe Biden for years never once reinforced any of the sanctions against Iran, loosened restrictions, and has given them billions and billions of dollars in cash. Wake so up, when, you liberals. Thank you, Mark. So when this guy from the Israeli consulate here in New York is talking about Biden like he's a friend of Israel, I almost ripped the whole place apart. <laughs> I doubt I'll be invited back next year. I mean that. And I don't care. I don't care. I am sick of people in this country giving Biden credit because he's got that stupid rhetoric which says, no, I'm pro-Israel, I care about the Israelis. No, you don't. You have been complicit from day one in these attacks. The way you've treated Iran back to your days with Obama and the way you continue to worry about Hamas. We played a cut this morning from Gail King. Gail King, this moron, who's only a superstar today and a multimillionaire because I'm 95% sure she did kind of link us on Oprah Winfrey. 95% sure. She's got no talent, nothing. Another racist dummy. And she's telling a story how Hamas, Hamas is reporting 3,600 kids dead. By the way, I don't care. It sounds insensitive. I'm sorry. Nobody cared when they put our babies alive in ovens, cut their heads off, and raped our 12-year-old daughters. I don't care. But if it's true, if it's true, you're using Hamas as a credible source? Hamas is reporting 3,600 dead? Why would you ever report anything these lying, savage, 
bastards report to anybody. Why would you do that, Noam? Why? Well, they just do. <laughs> I don't know why. But, you know, there's no way to get a confirmation on those numbers. That's the problem. You can't you can't go in there and count them. Just don't even say them. Hamas is reporting. How stupid is Gail King? And again, I don't care. That's it. They started this. You heard Netanyahu say, they started it, we're going to finish it. That's it. We don't care about humanitarian aid. We don't care what Joe Biden says. It's over. That's it. It was a beautiful Saturday holiday Shabbat morning. In these homes, they did what they did at that music festival. Nearly 300 dead, including the girl who's become the face of this horror attack. Uh, Lauk, 23-year-old German tattoo artist, gorgeous, ended up being raped and eventually decapitated. Decapitated. You think I care about how many civilians may be dying in Gaza? Oh, well, that's war. You come into our neighborhoods and murder our innocent people, your people are going to die. That's how it goes. So Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken, that pussy who's in uh, Israel right now begging Netanyahu for some restraint, all those guys need to shut up. You either support Israel in repaying these bastards, or you don't. That's it. There's no two ways about it. You ask for a ceasefire. You ask for a pause. You are not supporting Israel. You worry about the other side. You are not supporting Israel. That's the bottom line. You are not supporting Israel. Stop telling me that Joe Biden is pro-Israel. You know nothing about politics. He hates the Jews, and so does Barack Obama. They could not care less. Get Donald Trump back on Pennsylvania Avenue tomorrow because that is one guy that actually cares about the Israelis, not Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a piece of garbage. Anyway, good morning. How are you, Noam? I'm doing okay. Lois, you good? <laughs> Noam and I were just looking at each other like, what do you want to do? I'm just getting out of the way. Yeah. That's what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get out of the way. That's what you do. You just step aside and um, let it go. You're totally right, of course, on everything you just said, too. 100% right. Yes. Not, I mean, you know, we agree, of course. Say it again, folks. From the river to the sea, blow me. Frank Morano, Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani, Tom Biggers, Joe Tacopina, Tony Orlando, live from Jerusalem, Alex Freeman, and more. This is the Friday, what I've dubbed the New York City Marathon edition of your favorite talk show, not just in New York City, but across the nation. We are Sid and Friends in the Morning.
If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes. The flags go up. Churning and burning. They yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild. All right, so while I bash Biden all day, the worst president ever. I mean, for Mark Levin to text me, Levin and I weren't even talking a couple of weeks ago. Then, of course... One Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago when he came to the realization that every powerful Jewish voice in this country, whether it's Ben Shapiro, Mark Levin, Sid Rosenberg, we got to come together. So I texted Mark on a football Sunday. And uh, actually, I didn't text Mark. I, I uh, texted Richard Samantha. What, what do they call that guy on that show? Producer. Mr. Producer, right? Mr. Producer, cut <laughs> yeah. seven. So I text uh, Rich and I go, any chance Levin would want to talk to me? And. It took two minutes for him to get back and said, yes, Levin said, uh, said you'd call him at three. And we had this great conversation. You may remember, Lewis, he was on the show the very next day, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And then we hadn't talked since. And then he sends me these texts yesterday from Tom Cotton, who's killing Joe Biden. And Levin said to me, quote, do you believe this guy is now threatening the Israelis? I said, yes. Yes. Going back to his days with Obama. Those folks have done nothing to show me, in all seriousness, they care about Israel. They say the right thing during press conferences, so these ass-faced Democrats think that, oh, we love Israel. You hate Israel, all of you. Biden is not as outward about it as, oh, I don't know, Talib Omar or AOC, but he doesn't love the Jews, not even close. He wants a pause you got Blinken in Israel right now. Ain't going to be no pause. You're all going to die. That's it. You did it to us. Now we're coming back really heavy-handed. You're all going to die. Sid, these are really important messages I'm going to send you right now. Now, now just pay attention a second. I'm, I'm sending these. Now, no one knows about this, but it's going to come out in the next couple of days. He's, uh, he's going to come no, on. Just, uh, thank you, Malcolm. He's right. coming on with us next yeah, week. You know I love you. I love you, too. Okay, all right. uh, he actually said that in the text, which was uh, very nice. So one of the guys that works on the overnight show, which for some reason has more employees than I've got. I, I don't get it, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, Kenneth, Kenneth uh, Connolly. He's been here for a couple of years. In fact, when he first started, I went out pretty hard because he's a good-looking kid, and it kind of bothered me. But I've come to the realization that I'm better looking, even 30 years older, and I kind of like the kid. So he's uh, leaving. Today's his last day. 
Oh, good morning, Kenneth. How are you? Good morning, Sid. How you doing? Good. Now, how long were you here for altogether? A year and a half. You were here for 18 months. Yes, sir. And you would do the show with Frank, mm-hmm. and then you would do that for Cock the Podcast with Matt Blaze and everybody else that no one's ever heard yet. Hey, you were on it. So you spend an hour every day taping a podcast that not one person has ever listened to. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good way to uh, get some digs in a Frank. So. Okay. Uh, you thought that what? What would happen with that podcast? What did you think was going to happen? Well, nothing, really. You think I'm going to blow up as, as big as the Sid and Frank uh, show? I, I don't know. I mean, where nah. are you going to now? Where are, you, are you going to you have an on-air opportunity somewhere? It's not on-air. It's another producer position. Okay. It's more in sports. In the sports, it's yeah, I mean, all you young sport. kids who work here, whether it's you or Mike Dino or Eric Salas, even Alec for a Phil? while. But Alec is now uh, he he's planted here. You all gonna you all want to go to the fan? I know that. I know. Well, that. you know, I've been there, done you, that. You were the big shot there, so I was a big shot. Still am. So you're gonna talk sports at CBS? It's not. It's, I'll just be a producer behind the scenes. The goal someday is to talk sports. Right. Well, well you're good on the air. I mean, you are, you, and you're a good-looking you. kid. You can do all that. Thank you. You kind of look like a uh, like a tarted uh, Wally Zerbiak. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Or maybe he's a tardy Ken Conner. <laughs> so are you writing for anybody in particular or just CBS as a whole? Yeah, CBS, it's the like the, the digital streaming platform. Oh, that's cool. So, you know, Are the offices on the Upper West Side? No, it's, it's actually in Connecticut. Oh, so you have to so, move to Connecticut? No, it's like a 40-minute drive. Is it, by, just, is it, is it like by Bristol where ESPN is? Like Stanford. Oh, Stanford, yeah. okay. Yeah, he's going that direction. No, you can yeah, <laughs> you can go to strip clubs on Friday nights with Luke Legrano, another former WABC employee. He's you know, at ESPN, of course. You know all the spots. Oh, I don't. He does. I'm old. But I uh, wish you the best of luck. I've always liked you a Thank lot. Thank you, Sid. I think you're a smart kid, good-looking kid. you got a good head on your shoulders. I really and appreciate that. I, well, you're welcome. And we wish you the best of luck. Of we really course. do. So. Thank you, Sid. And I love uh, listening to your show every morning. Thank and you. And I love messing around with you when you're hanging out with Justin in there while you're getting the well, show you've ready. Actually, you've actually helped us oh, over yeah, the definitely. years, too, getting audio. And you were yeah. a big help with Bobby Knight yesterday. But over the years, you've helped us. So yeah, thank I, you very much. I filled in a couple times yeah. to help you guys. Well, you did great. So thank, thank you, Sid. Thank I love you, Sid. I love you, too. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Now get the hell out of here. All right. That's uh, Kenneth Connolly. Yeah, Ken. Yeah. And Pete Morgan is in studio this morning. Mr. Peerless Boilers, you know it. Peerlessboilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build the world's best boilers. Kids, you know, kids, kids better looking than you. No, he's not. <laughs> no, story not even close. I, I, I'm, I'm really a, I looked at my picture this morning, last night, oh, all dressed up. Another shock. In the Pierre, at the Pierre Hotel. I'm like such a really good looking guy. I don't even try that hard. Do I? Did you comment on your own page? Yes, I go, man, I look good. good. Um, Does Chris Kreider score every day or is it me? Uh, Like every day. It was great. Joe and I were back and forth last night during the game. Oh, Takapina? Oh, God. He'll be on this morning. Uh, Yeah, he's out of his mind. Yeah, he's a crazy major fan. So now we've won six straight. Six straight. Yeah. Well, we're trying to start here, huh? It's really, yeah. I, I, it's like last year with Boston and Louis starts with the right. Bruin thing, right? But we know how that ends. We, we don't want it to end that way. <laughs> First round exit to the Florida but Panthers. Fox, Fox got hurt, though. He's out. Adam Fox is out? Need a knee hit. Oh, really? It was, it was not pretty. How long is it going to be out for? Don't know. How was the crowd last night? The crowd was really good. Yeah. Really pumped. I think everybody's looking for an outlet. You know? Any uh, Palestinian flags at the Garden? Not a one, brother. You know, I'll tell you something. I was driving, my guy Levi was driving me to the Pierre Hotel, which is on uh, like 61st and 5th, you know. So we're on the FDR, and there's a van, a white van, and the van has a Palestinian flag coming out of the door. I swear to God. And two guys in the front 
of this van mm. who looked very Palestinian, and we're driving by him, and I'm staring these guys down. They don't care, of course. And I'm like, white van, all beat up, Palestinian flag, two guys who look like they're here to do some real evil, and they're driving on the FDR like it's a Gaza Strip, like it's no big deal. Yeah. Did you see any protesters outside the garden last Nothing. night? Nothing. Okay. No, no. It was just strictly Ranger hockey. Listen, that's not the right place for them to go. It's not? No, I think. You, you know, think Ranger bands will kick their I ass? I think there'd be a beatdown. <laughs> I like hearing that. So now that's the only uh, seats you really care about. The Giants you don't care about anymore. You, gotta, you I can't was even there give Sunday. those seats I, away. I, I, I went Sunday. No, you didn't. Oh, my God. To I, the I'm, Jet game? I'm still wet. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. I did. I just. Uh, I it was broke. not as bad the weather as the game you sent me to, week one against Dallas. See, that was horrible. It it poured at times for like 10 minutes straight in different droves. That night poured uh, for three straight hours. No. It was brutal. Brutal. You wanted to see the Cowboys, and you saw them. <laughs> yeah, and then saw, you saw a lot of streets. Yeah. I'm never going back to a giant game this year. I mean, come on, they're terrible. Yeah, it's not I mean, not they're pretty. terrible. It's not pretty. Is all. Daniel Jones playing this week? Do we know? Supposed to. Yeah. Who they have again? I forgot now. Raiders. Oh, the Raiders, yeah. 425. But I'll be at the marathon like you will. Yeah, what's going on with you? Both your kids are running the no, marathon? No, just no. Corey's not. He did it. He said he's one and done. Did a couple years ago. Right. And Spencer's running. I think this will be our fourth straight. No kidding. Yeah, so it'll be fun. So where are you going to be on Sunday? I'll be uh, at the finish line. Yeah, um, I'll be up near the park. So I'll probably watch a little bit on First Avenue. Nice. Then as they go up, I'll cut back and um, watch them come down. Okay. The, in the park and stuff. And I'll pop and, and have a rest. You know, watch uh, a little bit. Danielle went yesterday. To the Javits Center. Is she giving she, out bibs or something? She got a bib. Yeah. She, and they, they have these really cute outfits, the New York Police Department running team, beautiful outfits. And she got my credential because I'm actually traveling with the police. They're picking me up at like 5.30 in the morning okay. on a Sunday. But is, I got to do it. Is Gabe going with you? Gabe is going to be home. Okay. He's not going into the city. Oh, okay. So I'm going early in the morning with the cops. Mm. Danielle leaves the same time. She's taking a van with the runners. I guess she goes to Staten Island yep. and waits. I'll be riding around with the cops eventually uh, early that morning at the finish line, which is a great spot. You yeah, I've been, there. I've been there for that. Yeah. And then uh, John Katsimatidis, I must mention this, John Katsimatidis and my dear friend Joe Parisi at Christidis are supplying a ton of food. I mean, enough food to feed 300 at a wedding for all of the cops and Danielle running this race on Sunday Right there, uh, not far from the actual race. That's so, awesome. That is awesome. Thank you to John Katzmatidis, Joe Parisi, and uh, all the guys from Gristidis. Okay, we got uh, a lot of guests stopping by today, a lot. We'll start with Frank Morano, the host of The Other Side of Midnight. Pete uh, Morgan will be in studio all morning long. We do have Joe Nolan's first look at traffic coming up. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from the Rita Cosby Show. Here my friend Rita, she talks about the anti-Semitic protests. It is just a very dangerous time. Even look at the homeland. There have been all these protests of late. As we know, there was the big one at the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, Tulane University, Columbia University with the professors chiming in. Cornell University. I'm glad they finally arrested somebody. The governor of New York announced an arrest, thank goodness, because you have to clamp down on these people and you have to clamp down early. You can't do it, you know, three months in and say, oh gosh, we should have done it before. 
Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. the theme of today's show with what I really think is the best event we put on all year in New York. New York City Marathon coming up on Sunday. My beautiful wife, Danielle, running it for the sixth time, her 40th marathon overall. And my main man, Pete Morgan, sitting to my left, his beautiful daughter, Spencer, doing her fourth in a row. We'll both be there on Sunday. I'll be at the finish line. Pete will be uh, all over First Avenue. So it's a big one coming up on Sunday. So today's theme with Lou and Sid is run. All right, he's the host of The Other Side of Midnight, a terrific show from 1 to 5 a.m. every weekday morning. Really smart. And just a genuinely good guy is my friend Frank Morano, and he's the last person that would be running the New York City Marathon. <laughs> I resent yeah. that. Well, I mean, you're, you know, last you're year not, you're, I went and watched the marathon. That's big. Yeah, I had two siblings that ran last year. Is that is that true? Yeah, I did. You know what it is? I always, when I see the marathon, I always think that's great. You know, I'm going to train and I'll get in shape and run next year. Sure. But last year, my sister ran, and I, I is mean, this you, the sister I met at the gala? Yeah, she's the only, only one I have. Thank she's you. a lovely girl. But and you probably know this being married to a marathoner, they lose their toenails. They what? They lose no, their... No, 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 no. Well, that's never happened. I, well, I'm telling no. you, it happened to Claudia. Well, that's, that's, I, it, to me... Does that mean it happens to everybody because your sister lost well, a toenail? Did it, it happen, happen to your daughter? daughter? My yeah. daughter, yeah. It, it's, I find that to be the most disgusting thing gross. in the world. I yeah. would never do something that no. involves then, no. losing your toenails. Although, i got to tell you, the amount of money Danielle spends on pedicures wouldn't be a horrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frankie, we got a lot to discuss oh, today. Let's start with uh, Eric Adams. Uh, this whole deal yesterday and a, a lot of Turkish mentions mm. from him raising the Turkish flag a week ago, which Curtis Sliwa was the only person to bring to everybody's attention. Now there's a Turkish Brooklyn contractor who may be siphoning money. At least that is what the Eric Adams detractors are saying. Two Adams, the FBI raids his uh, number one fundraiser's house in Crown Heights. What do you think is going on here? Well, I think, look, if this happened in a vacuum, you could say, okay, um, maybe there's just one corrupt entity within the Adams administration. And, you know, I'm hesitant to bury anybody too quickly because, you know, um, John Liu, they did that with him and destroyed his mayoral campaign. They didn't convict him of anything. It was just one woman that they convicted. This oh. is 10 years ago. And Artie Idala made the point last night, I'm not even sure if he's right, that uh, something similar happened to Rudy Giuliani uh, and nothing I, happened. I, I don't think... 
that that is that is comparable at is all. Is that right? Because yeah. look, so you're with, saying with Adams, is stupid? No, I'm not. You're I'm not. Well, he's, <laughs> but in the case of Adams, though. This is not an isolated incident, and a lot of people have been calling me asking, oh, is they, are they sicking the FBI on him because he's now critical of Biden on the border? I don't think there's any truth to that at all, because remember, you had his uh, camp- the campaign finance board, which is a New York City entity, fine his campaign and say they violated the law for raising more money than they were allowed to raise for his inauguration. Okay, that's one thing. Anybody can make a bookkeeping mistake. Then one of his chief fundraisers, our friend... Eric Ulrich, who I do like. I bought his children's book for my son. He is oh, now under you. indictment and going to and going to prison for the shady activity that he was up to. And then these two brothers, they've actually pled guilty to using straw donors in a state case. So you have two state cases uh, basically finding culpability for the Adams campaigns, you know, what they're doing. You have the New York City Campaign Finance Board, a city entity, and now the feds. So I think there is just kind of a culture of corruption within the Adams administration. Does it get all the way up to the mayor? I, I don't think so. Pro- maybe not. But I think this is bad news for Ingrid Lewis Martin, who, so do I. as you know, yeah. is like the mayor's number one person. What I did say earlier, Brianna goes down in flames with this. Brianna sucks. Ingrid goes down in flames. But I really do believe, like you just intimated, Eric Adams unscathed. Yeah, well, I'm not saying unscathed because I think there could be a political price to pay, right? Like there was, what? Who's well, going to beat him? Well, there was a big article. Everybody's unbeatable. Besides Curtis, of course. Well, no, everybody's unbeatable. <laughs> until they're beatable. It was a big article in New York Magazine four days ago that said, no, the left can't find a candidate to primary Eric Adams. Now, I think this could embolden somebody on the left, and if uh, Adams has got a problem on the left with, uh, say, a Brad Lander or Jamani Williams or Jessica Ramos, and a problem on the right with a Curtis Lewa, then he's got a problem. Plus, uh, I mean, if he has to resort to using fundraisers that will engage in conduct that they won't get indicted for, he might have a tough time raising money. All right, so a shocking story coming out of Suffolk County last night. A good friend of mine and yours, former NYPD, he spent uh, the last, I guess, couple of years as the police commissioner in Suffolk County. He started the task force that ended up taking down Rex Uerman, the Gilgold killer. Rex, uh, not Rex, excuse me, Rodney Harrison announced yesterday he's stepping down. Any idea why that's the case? Well, I have an idea. Uh, I'm hesitant to say it because it is unconfirmed. It's okay. Just say this is an unconfirmed okay, so opinion is, of mine. This is unconfirmed. Is I, it like crazy? No, no, no. Because no. You, I'll you tell know, you what like I'm you hearing. Talk about, you talk about aliens no, 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 and no, no, UFOs. No, no. And- I, I will <laughs> tell you what I'm hearing with the disclaimer that this is unconfirmed. Okay? Um, and I'm not trying to cause anybody any angst here. Just get to the damn All story, right. What Frank. I'm hearing is that... Uh, Commissioner Harrison has a major issue involving an affair with a female police sergeant in Suffolk County. And this has come to a head, and he made a couple of other missteps recently that the police union and the rank and file are furious about. Apparently, this uh, press conference that he did with John Ray ruffled a lot of people the wrong way, and a lot of folks were offended that he suggested to the public uh, to send evidence to John. And uh, John Ray was very antagonistic against the police department over the years. Three cops specifically were on the warpath after that press conference. So I think it's sort of um, I think the affair coupled with this John Ray incident 
that was the those were the straws that broke the camel's back. He is Frank Morano, the host of the Other Side of Midnight, with uh, some opinions on why Rodney Harrison stepping down as the Suffolk County Police Commissioner. Uh, Bob Menendez, uh, one of the ultimate creeps in politics today. He um, he going up against uh, Tammy Murphy. A lot of folks keep asking me to put Tammy on the show out there in New Jersey. What can you tell me about Tammy Murphy? Well, I, look, I think um, like um, her husband, she, if she jumps into this U.S. Senate race, she is going to try to buy off the county chairs the same way that Phil Murphy did when he got the gubernatorial nomination without a primary. No relation there, right? No, it's his wife. It's his wife. Yeah, it's his wife. He's, she's the first lady of New well, Jersey. Well, you say it to me like I should know that. Well, I mean, you you asked me about her. That's her lone claim to fame. What do you think she was famous for? She could have been related uh, to Calvin Murphy of the Houston Rockets. I, I, as far know. as I know, I don't know that or, she's ever. Eddie Murphy? I, I don't think she's ever had a job. But um, well, then why would I vote for this lady? I hate Bill Murphy. Well, I, I, chances are you shouldn't move to New Jersey. And, yeah, that's a good you point. Could you imagine her. having to vote for Bob Menendez yeah. or Phil Murphy's wife? Well, or Andy Kim. You get the choice of Andy Kim Who's as well. He's a congressman. He's running, and uh, he's like so Jesus far, Jesus Christ Kennedy. compared to these. Days. But in the case of Tammy Murphy, she's got a couple of problems. One being in the Democratic primary that she was a Republican for a long time, and they are going to try to hammer her over the fact that she had a Republican Republican voting record for a long time. But as we've seen with Trump, Reagan, Rudy Giuliani, and others, people tend to switch parties throughout their lives. Uh, we'll see how far that Murphy money goes. My cousin too, the great senator out of Minnesota, Norm Coleman. That's right, most of his by the great Jesse Ventura in 1998. Well, yes, he was. And yeah. Al Franken. That's right. But he did win. He did win. He was the mayor of St. Paul for eight years. I'm very proud of my cousin. All right, finally, there is uh, something that's going to happen this weekend ah. that we talk about in my house quite a bit. My wife hates it. She hates it when it gets dark out at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And it turns out that, Frank, you're like the big voice in this. You may hate uh, daylight savings time as much as Danielle. This makes you crazy, right? Well, no. I mean, and it, look, daylight saving time is absurd, right? It was invented by Benjamin Franklin to conserve candles. That's if you can, if you assume he was serious. Might have been just a joke for a, a thing that he wrote. Daylight saving time serves no purpose whatsoever. None. There is no reason we need to drive ourselves crazy twice a year, setting the clocks ahead, setting the clocks back. Well, listen, I don't it does know about you, nothing but, uh, to conserve uh, energy at all. I live in a house where it's done by itself. I mean, we're not really going back to the days of winding clocks. Well, see, I still have to do that with our grandfather clock and rearrange oh, I like it and that. stuff. That's cool. But, yeah. Yeah. but, but the point is, whether the clock's being set automatically or not, you still lose that hour of sleep in the spring, and it's that transition to you know, go, springing a you know, uh, springing ahead that screws people up. Accidents go up, heart attacks go up, health issues go up. Really, all after. After the conversion to daylight saving time. Now, you think about how stupid this is. We're going to standard time on Monday. Standard time lasts four and a half months. How could standard time be four and a half months and the exception daylight saving time is eight months? Makes no sense. Just have pick one time, whether it's daylight saving time or standard time. One time, stick with it be done. You get the same amount of hours of sunlight, whether we're setting the clocks ahead or not. There are parts of the country that don't do it. Yeah, Arizona and Hawaii. Parts of and look Northwest how successful Indiana. those two states are. Northwest Indiana? Yeah. I mean, um, it, there is no reason for this, and uh, New York should opt out of this, as a lot of uh, as other states have considered doing as well. Frank just showed uh, about as much emotion talking about this as I did with Joe Biden <laughs> in Israel. At 6.15 this morning, I swear to God. 
Uh, we agree with you. So what are you doing this weekend? Atlantic City? What do you got going on? Now I wish. On? I am going to a Diwali celebration tomorrow. No, you're not. No, yeah, you're not. I am indeed. <laughs> now, why would you do something like that? Well, because I love the Indian community. Uh, I like them too, but you have to, I'm not going to a Diwali celebration. <laughs> well, I mean, look, that, that, that's what separates the two. Are you related to an Indian or something? No, I married an Indian, not as my wife, but I performed. I was the officiant in a, you know, I am a minister in the Universal Life Church, as you know. <laughs> and I, uh, I performed at a uh, ceremony and uh, one of the, the bride was Indian and they invited me to Diwali. What on do they Saturday. do with these uh, Diwali? This is my first Diwali. I don't know. I think yeah. there are lights involved. There's Indian food, presumably. I don't know. Did they so smoke the anything? Do they smoke any drugs or anything? I, uh, maybe a little hashish. If yeah, it comes not, my that's way. We'll see. Yeah. Exactly. Are you going to come in like dressed in like some type of uh, Indian garb on Monday? I, I'm hoping. I'm no. hoping, yeah. Well, you're a good man. You, you love everybody. I do. Yeah. I don't think Lewis is going to be at this Diwali celebration tomorrow. <laughs> I feel like I should go now. <laughs> you, I, you want, I can get you an invite. I can okay. get you an invite. Okay. Where is this? Atlantic, Atlantic Avenue, right? No, it's in it's in Princeton, New Jersey. Is there a big Indian population in Princeton, well, New Jersey? Well, there's at least one person. <laughs> <laughs> there's one Indian, yeah. Okay. Well, listen, sounds great. Good. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'll send you a postcard. <laughs> yeah. That was a great appearance, seriously. You know, thank I love you, my you. friend. Your show is great. You're great. You just you know so many things. I'm, I'm really impressed by you, seriously. So thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, good to Be see safe. you as well, Pete. Be safe, yeah. Frank. Uh, Have that's a good a great weekend. Frank good Morano. luck to Danielle in the marathon. I appreciate that. Thank you. Other side of midnight, folks. That's a great show. 1 to 5 a.m. Every weekday morning, there's nothing Frank can't talk about. I swear to God, the guy's a genius. I love him. All right, we'll uh, take a short break. we got a big 7 o'clock hour about to come your way with two of my good buddies, Curtis Sliwa and Andrew Giuliani. The Friday New York City Marathon edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning with Brian Adams rolls on. Accident. Trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email Email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
being the uh, theme today. This is the Van Halen Classic, Running with the Devil, New York City Marathon coming up on Sunday. Danielle, number six in New York, number 40 overall. Now, before I get to uh, the great Curtis Sliwa, you guys know, of course, when I moved back to New York to first do this show with Bernard, God rest his soul, back in 2016, I spent about six months up here without Danielle and the kids. They were in Boca finishing school, and I stayed by my sister's house, Ray Sherry and Albert Baker in uh, Mill Basin. And I do want to wish my sister, Ray Sherry, who is just one of the best people you'll ever meet. I've got three sisters. They're all lovely. Don't get me wrong. But this one particularly has the biggest heart of maybe anybody I know in the world. And that's my sister, Ray Sherry. So I do want to wish Ray Sherry a birthday. I think she's down in Florida. And I know her and Albert are probably on their terrace in Aventura listening right now with a cup of coffee with their friends Simon and Nina. Happy birthday, Ray Sherry. We love you a lot. Enjoy your, enjoy your birthday. And then uh, I got a message here from my friend Vin. And Vin and Vin, they own Rocco's Italian Restaurant. It's a great place on 116th Street in my neighborhood. And uh, much like you, Pete Morgan, he said, I'll see you at the finish line. Buddy, my daughter is running her very first. Oh, wow, that's great. That's the first. Uh, Spencer, your daughter, it's her fourth. Her fourth New York, I think, seventh or eighth overall. That's pretty good. She ran in Africa. She did? She ran in she, Oh, Danielle's dying to do the one in Africa. Didn't I did she one? love it? Loved it. Loved it. At the end, she had to throw her shoes out because they run on dirt. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was really. They say it. They it's actually, safari. They, they have guys with guns. Oh, absolutely. Just in case lions come that's out. That's exactly and, right. That's crazy. They have, they have choppers. They have you know, marksmen everywhere. I got to think uh, for every marathon runner, that's why they do their PR, which is uh, personal best, because they literally will have a lion running after them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You would think. But it's elevate. It's a high elevation, and it's hot. It's very hot. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. But it's a great. She had a great. Talk about hot. I mean, Danielle was concerned if it hit 60 on Sunday, that's too hot. They wanted ideally low 50s, no high precipitation. 40s, yeah, yeah, high 40s. But it's yeah. going to be 60, I think. Yeah. It is. It's going to be a little warm on Sunday. All right. So last night at this um, dinner I went to honoring A.R. Bernard and my dear friend Keith Kantrowitz, and all my good buddies were there. John Amargo were there, and all these cops were there. The mayor was there, Anthony Carone. Curtis's name came up about a thousand times. Wherever I go... Curtis and I have become like um, Abbott and Costello, like, uh, you know, like uh, Dean and Jerry. You name a, 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 a very famous duo. That's us. He gets big ratings every weekday, noon to one. Big ratings overnight weekends. Does a tremendous job with me every weekday morning. And to Curtis's credit, whether he's talking about the migrant illegal crisis or, quite frankly, he's talking about City Hall, I would say about 95% of the time Curtis is accurate. Now, I did spend time with the mayor last night. He was very nice and in a pretty good mood, considering what happened in Crown Heights earlier yesterday morning. But Curtis was the one who told us last Friday that for some unknown reason, the mayor was raising a Turkish flag somewhere. And then you hear some of the details coming out today from that FBI raid, and Turkey is a big part of that. So help us, Curtis Lee, what makes sense of all of this. Let me connect the dots, uh, Sid. But also, let me give you some new news. That's my job here. Breaking news. So when I first went to Noam Layden last Friday, I said, Noam, don't you find it odd that the mayor who just gave a rousing speech in support of Israel's defense against Hamas, that he would be down 12 noon at Bowling Green. He's there like every day raising a flag of some country, never an American flag, always a foreign flag. 
and he's raising the flag of Turkey today. Uh, just days after Erdogan, the leader of Turkey, praised Hamas, said that they were freedom fighters, and said that Israel was responsible for what is happening in the Middle East, and they're responsible for the attack that occurred in southern Israel. This Erdogan hates Israel, hates Jews. So Noam said, wow, where did you get that? Don't worry about where I get it. I got rats at City Hall. That's why I'm always ahead of the curve. And as he said, they struggled to come back with an answer, Said. By 7.30 at night, they finally came back with an answer. This is after he raised the flag, he praised the Turks, and then they said, well, you know, we can praise local people without praising their leaders. You know what he's doing today? After his number one fundraiser got pinched by the FBI, they took everything out of her house in Crown Heights, he's raising the flag of Malaysia at 12 noon at Bowling Green, no doubt his brother Bernard, wearing $1,000 Gucci's now, is, uh, is the guy who collects the envelopes. This is what it's all about. Show me the loot. Malaysia calls Jews hook-nosed. They're Holocaust deniers. They're full of Jew hatred. And what he does is to all these groups when he makes the rounds, remember I, I laughed and he said when he spoke to Israelis, I'm going to retire in the Golan Heights, right? And they give him more shekels. In 2018, he said he was going to retire in Azerbaijani. He said it to a group of Azerbaijanis in Chitsebe. He said, I'm going to retire in Baku. Yay! Give him more money. Today, he'll probably say, you know, when I'm finished, I'm going to retire in Kuala Lumpur. Yay! And these people, he plays them like suckers. Yeah, you see, this is why I'm confused. Uh, and, and, again, don't get mad at me because you know I love you. And if you ran for mayor today, uh, which you will be, I'm going to be your campaign manager. But I really believe in my heart of hearts, I'm sorry, that Eric does care about the Jews. I do. I, and, and, you know, again, last night at this event, there was a lot of very orthodox, right. very religious Jews. Right. I've been to Gracie Mansion for Jewish Heritage Month. Oh. I see the way he treats oh. me and guys like Michael Kemper, Jewish guys. Oh. I think he does care about the Jews. Sid, I do. Sid, you're a street guy, right? Uh, yes, I am. In the 90s, this guy was a follower of Farrakhan. He ran for Congress. Farrakhan endorsed him. He had the Nation of Islam out there in the streets for him. Now, do we know that for a fact? Yes. Because I, I know Dolph Hyken said it on this show. It is facts, Sid. Now, where are these facts, uh, Curtis? Because okay. you do provide facts. Are you, are you, are, are you denying it? No. Okay. And I'll never doubt you. Thank you. But I just need you Thank to... You. Because a very that's a very very big statement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, I'll make it. Screwy Louis. He used to go to the Nation of Islam mosque in Harlem and hang out with his very dear friend, the leader there, Conrad Muhammad. So they get the the signatures for him. Farrakhan endorses him, and then he goes to a fundraiser and they don't write him any checks because they say, "Well, you didn't convert." You know, look, Muhammad Ali, right? He was Cassius Clay. You got to convert to the nation. He goes, well, well, that, that might not be good for my political career. Well, then you get no money. So then he realized Jewish checks are good because they don't bounce. Well, I love <laughs> Jews. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. Show me the money, please, please, uh, Justin. 
Wake up. Give me that cut that I play all the time. This was Eric Adams being sworn in up in the state Senate. He had just won the seat in Crown Heights and Bed-Stuy. Now, what year was this about, Curtis? about 2007. So this is right before he became Brooklyn Borough President. Correct. Okay. It is his first uh, elected office. They all give speeches up in Albany in front of friends, media, other crooked legislators, and actually the lobbyists who are salivating. Do you have it, Justin? Oh, no, he doesn't have it. Your figures, he's slow on the draw. He'll eventually get it. But the fact is, is that his first speech was show me the money. That's what it's all about. Show me the money. And it's always been that way. Why do you think he goes to all these ethnic events, cuts ribbons? We're in a crisis here. Today, he's raising the flag of Malaysia. Wake up, Sid. Malaysians hate Jews. They call them hook noses. They're anti-Semites. They're Holocaust deniers. It's It's for the money. And it's his brother, Bernard, who is there to collect the envelopes. You know, he's got the booster bag. This is a continuation. Let me give you some more information. Because uh, apparently our Cracker Jack News Director did not connect all the dots. Turkey. Remember all those Turkish airline commercials that had Morgan Freeman taking the plane, Kobe Bryant, Lionel Messi, Kevin Costner, and Dr. Oz, of yes, course. Yes. Eric Adams was taking that trip when he was Brooklyn Borough President seven times to Turkey. Seven times to Turkey. What? I, I, I didn't know Turkey was such a desirable location. Naturally, everything was paid for by the Turkish government. They own half the airlines. Now there's a Turkish construction company in Williamsburg. The Turkish government sends money to the Turkish company. You got that, gnome laden? Owned by uh, Turks. And then they have their employees write out checks. The question is, what were the checks? Were there any straw donors there, people who said, Eric Adams? I don't even know who Eric Adams is. Well, according to our records here, you wrote out a check to him, which then gets matched eight to one. That's why it's a theft of the public treasury. We have public financing the campaigns. So if you live in New York, you give a dollar, guess what? You get an additional $8. This is serious stuff. He can't dance away from this. And then how did he get introduced to Turkey? Well, there's a guy, a strong Zionist. His name is Ron Tarosian. He's the lobbyist for the Turkish government. In fact, he's been collecting envelopes himself over the years. I went up to Albany, SUNY. He was the Zionist there. He calls me up. Curtis, Khalid Muhammad is up here, and he has vilified Jews. I need you to come up and speak to the students. Call him. Get him on the line. See if it's true. Who was supporting Khalid Muhammad at that time in the 90s? Eric Adams! This Ron Tarosian is an Armenian Jew. And guess what? Working with Turkey? They committed genocide against Armenians? Come on, it's all for the love of money. Did you find that yet? Oh, my God, the guy hasn't even found this yet. Well, it doesn't matter if he finds it or not, because the truth is you have just dropped a bigger rocket than anything we've seen did, in the Israel conflict. I mean, these are, you, you, are dropping, I, I, you are dropping some bombs here. Yeah, Mark, could I hear it? Could I hear it, please? Oh, he has it. Yeah. He doesn't Show have it. me the money. That's what it's all about. That's what he said, his first speech in the state Senate. Well, didn't Cuba Gooden say the same thing in uh, Jerry Maguire? Oh, well, yes, of course. <laughs> so you understand, I'm on the guy's jockstrap now. When Curtis Lee was on you with, remember, the most important member of the Sliwa wrecking crew, Nancy Sliwa, 
we do the deep dive. So go summarize again those names that you just discussed in the last, oh, I don't know, nine or ten minutes that uh, you feel are, are directly related to Eric Adams and why you believe that uh, those names prove that uh, A. Eric Adams uh, probably is in bed with Turkey and Erdogan because he hates the Jews, and you don't buy what I'm saying, which is I believe Adams really does care about the Jews. You don't buy it based upon these names. Let me ask you a question. Did you order the turkey last night at the Pierre? uh, Was it the dark meat or the light meat? Kurt, you can't make this up. I swear to God, I'm not kidding. I had turkey for dinner. <laughs> now, I only eat remember, white meat. It's not a that? racist thing. Rem- I hate dark meat turkey. I hate it. Remember soupy sales, falafika. <laughs> they only find it in Turkey. I played that song last week for the flag raising. Yeah, you did. And everybody's saying, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Okay, let me connect the dots again. The country of Turkey had brought Eric Adams over to Turkey seven times when he was borough president of Brooklyn. Seven times? Is seven that right? times, right. What the hell is a Brooklyn borough president would you be doing in Turkey for seven times? And then naturally, as long as it's less than $10,000 in cash, you bring the loot back with you to New York. He loves the Turks, and the Turks love to give money. So the government of Turkey, remember, run now by the worst anti-Semite, supporter of Hamas, sends money to this Turkish construction company in Williamsburg, who then make all of their employees write out checks for the election of Eric Adams against Curtis Lewa. That's why he's got big, big problems. But could you talk to your very dear friend and ask him, where is he going to retire? Because right now, it's looking like he's not going to go to the White House, but rather to the big house in chains and shackles for political corruption. Is it Baku in Azerbaijani, which he can't even find on a map? Is it the Golan Heights, where nobody retires to in northern Israel, right near the Syrian border? Or, or where? Or what's the next country that he's going to get money from that he's going to retire in? So if October 7th is Israel's version of 9-11, is it fair to say that November 2nd is Curtis's version of Christmas? Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, I was dancing the horror in the Tarantella. I was actually down in City Hall Park yesterday. Look at my Facebook post. Look at my Instagram. I was feeding the pigeons, which I always do. There was Eric Adams' picture, and I'm saying, here it is. I'm the mayor in waiting. The moment he's out, I'm in. No, do you really feel, all kidding aside, because New York Magazine ran a story, um, and Frank Morano brought it up, but I was aware of it already, uh, about a week ago that said the left is really having difficulty finding anyone to go up against Eric. Give up Maya Wiley and all these creeps. They're having difficulty finding anybody. Do you really feel that November 2nd, yesterday, and maybe more stories to come, are going to pave the way, all kidding aside, yes. for you to be the next mayor of New York? Well, first, it's going to be a Democratic battle if Eric Adams isn't in jail. You know, if he goes to jail or he retires... You know, like Elliot Spitzer, hey, you're either going to the federal big house or you retire. You know, it's funny. I was walking to my tanning salon a couple of days ago on 56th Street and 5th Avenue outside of Trump Tower, and I bumped into Elliot Spitzer on the street. Of course. And you probably <laughs> swapped stories, right? Anyway, that would mean Jumani Williams is the no, mayor. No. Yes. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know I could whip oh, Jumani Williams. And yesterday in City Hall Park, go to my Facebook, Instagram, you'll notice I'm feeding the pigeons, and there was a cute Jumani Williams, Brad Lander, all the socialists were lined up doing interviews saying, oh, 
They said nobody on the far, 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 far left. The socialists are running for mayor in a Democratic primary. Count on me. I'm ready. Hey, Eric, uh, we'll send you commissary when you're in prison. Oh, they're climbing the ladder. And oh, that Ingrid Lewis Martin. Really, Ingrid? How many times you told people everywhere in the city, this guy is who disgraces He's a shanda. Now, what do you say, Ingrid, huh? You better run for cover with the rest of the Eric Adams sickle fans, Tony Sinlakis. And like I said on Rudy's show yesterday, if you're an Eric Adams Republican, I'm coming for you. Like I did Eric Orange, Jimmy Otto, you traditors. Taking 30 pieces of silver to sell out our city. I never forget. I never forget. Let's get it on. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Yeah, you got me here, Lewis. I know run is the theme today for the New York City Marathon. Pete to my left, his daughter Spencer doing her fourth. My beautiful wife, Danielle, number six. What is the, uh, this is a run song? <laughs> You're quick, Sid, today. You're quick. Thank you. Well, I told you to play run songs. I don't know this song, though. The great Jonathan Richmond. Yeah, he's not great. And the modern lovers. Yes, he is. Now, when would you even find a song like this? You, well, you have to know things. Well, you know a lot of things. Mostly good things. Uh, this is a terrible song. No. It's awful. It was... The guy, there's a guy in this band that is in a band that you love, Jerry Harrison. What band is that? Talking Heads. We should have stayed there. <laughs> yeah. I like it because it's a run song. That's all I care about. I like when you find obscure stuff too. So, nicely done. No, Lewis. What does your shirt say today, you psycho? Bikini I kills. I can't say. What does that mean exactly? I can't say. It was a, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, God. So if you go to my Instagram page this morning, and I always compel you folks to do it and to follow me, at Rosenberg.Sydney, that's my Instagram page, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg, my daughter Ava yesterday reached out to me. She's in Europe. And she said, Daddy, she said, um, look at this picture. I looked at the picture, and I didn't recognize uh, the young man. But turns out he's a friend of my daughter. His name is Rafi. And his face is all bloody. He's got a bloody nose, a bloody lip. His nose looks to be broken. Also looks very Jewish. 
See, that's the thing about me. These Hamas folks, these Palestinian tough guys on the streets of New York, they never come up to me because, A, I look like I can kick their ass, and, B, I don't even look Jewish. Look Italian. This kid looks very Jewish. His name is Robbie. And, well, long story short, he's on the Lower East Side. A guy walks up to him and goes, are you Jewish? He said, yes. And the guy punched him across the face and then attacked him. So he ended up fracturing his nasal passage. And the kid doesn't have the money, the $4,000, to fix his nose, which is uh, less about aesthetics and more about breathing. So Ava said, "Uh, Daddy, can you put a GoFundMe page up on your Instagram? I said, listen, Ava, I'll do it, but I can't can't promise you a dollar, let alone 10000 I have no idea how this is going to go, but I'll do it. I got to tell you, the outpouring of love on my page, and I'm not saying that everyday folks don't count, but... Even Michael Rappaport, believe it or not, was like, oh, my God, Sid, how can I help? Where did this happen? Then you have uh, Jen Aiden, who, of course, is on Real Housewives of New Jersey. She's in Vegas right now for BravoCon. Her husband, Bill Aiden, is one of the most famous plastic surgeons in the world. And she reached out. In fact, she's in a call Monday. See if Bill can help. And then, talking about Real Housewives, there was a lady by the name of Liz Savetsky, Lizzie Savetsky, and she was about to become another new member of the Real Housewives of New York. But you may remember there was a bunch of anti-Semitic stuff that was said, and she quit. Turns out that Lizzie, who's a great voice for the Jewish people and the Israelis, I love her, she's married to a guy named Ira Savetsky, and Ira, much like Bill Aiden, is one of the most famous plastic surgeon slash doctors in the country. And Ira put on my page, hey, Sid, have this kid contact me. I'll see him for free. Swear to God. So all of a sudden, the $4,000 didn't matter much because there's probably hundreds, if not thousands, of people on the page with big hearts, just good-hearted people, that feel horrible about this. And then you've got two major doctors Ira Savetsky and Bill Aiden willing to do this for nothing. So next time somebody says to you that New Yorkers are nasty and New Yorkers don't care, you tell them you're stupid. Not true. Not true. Now, I can't help it that these animals are living amongst us. You can blame that on Joe Biden and, to a certain extent, Kathy Hochul, Eric Adams, and all these folks. I can't help that. But the folks that are from here and live here, New Yorkers are the best. The best. And when there's a real issue, when there's trouble, no one comes together better than New Yorkers. We saw that on 9-11. I know it was 22 years ago. I know that. But no one comes together better than New Yorkers. Nobody. So thank you for reaching out. Uh, Rafi, my daughter Ava's friend, on the page. And uh, thank you for all you offered yesterday. Lots of folks made donations. Lots of folks. So thank you for that. All right, we're going to get to Andrew Giuliani coming up momentarily. Pete Morgan is in studio. Then we'll talk to Tom Biggers. Biggers, this guy's a great guy. He actually is a cop, but he runs the NYPD Marathon Running Group. And my wife, Danielle, is running this marathon on Sunday on behalf of the NYPD. And we'll talk to Tom Biggers coming up at 8.15.
Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. I wanted to say that Sid Rosenberg, he is touching my heart all the time. He speaks after the Jewish people. Very brave. He's a loyal. And I wish he'd become the spokesman for the Jewish people. So that's my comment. And he's great. Seems like yesterday. But it was long ago. Jane, it was lovely. She was a queen of my night. There in the darkness with the radio playing low end. And the secrets that we share. Mountains that we move caught like a wildfire out of control till there was nothing left to burn and nothing left to prove. And I remember what she said to me, how she swore that it never would end. I remember how she held me all oh, so tight. Wish I didn't know now. Run being the theme today, again, New York City Marathon Sunday, Spencer Morgan, Danielle Rosenberg, host of others, getting ready to run, baby, run. Bob Seeger. Jason Trenner is a uh, great guy. He's been on this show before, smart Wall Street guy. Been in the studio before, a handsome guy. He got some big boxing event coming up I'll talk about in a couple of weeks, but he just sent me a text and wanted to thank me and you, Lou, for the great music. He loves the music. He never misses this show, so thank you to uh, Jason Trenner. And that lady, what is that lady's name again? She called up Curtis. It wasn't this show. Sandra. Sandra, yes. Thank you, sweetheart, for saying that uh, last week. And I've gladly become that guy. You know who else said the same thing that Sandra did? Rudy Giuliani. In fact, Rudy was a guest on this show yesterday, and he was amazing. So many people at the event I was at last night, ironically, the mayor was there. Love the Rudy Giuliani conversation, but he was the one who set it up, Rudy. He just wanted to call and thank me for being the voice of the Jewish people. I'm the guy that keeps telling you Joe Biden is a scumbag prick. He hates the Jews. That guy who spoke last night in the Israeli consulate, they had to throw me out of the room. If I had to hear one more time about Biden, this mother effer, he's the guy that gave uh, Iran all, all the, the loosen the, the, the sanctions, giving them money, threatening the Israelis yesterday over oil. Joe Biden and Barack Obama hate the Jews. Don't ever thank those guys. You want to thank somebody, thank Trump. And who knows that better than Andrew Giuliani, who worked for Donald Trump for four years and is on right now like he is every Friday. Andrew, good morning, buddy. How are you? Well, Sid, great to hear from you. I tell you, it was a great interview you had yesterday with my father. Also great to hear uh, Pete Morgan's voice in studio right there. It's uh, nice to see our Rangers doing well on something a little bit lighter. But I, I want to echo the uh, I want to echo the sentiments of my father. I think you've absolutely you know nailed what's going on, and uh, I think when you have some Democrats, especially on a national level, like, like Biden who wants to give lip service and realizes, well, there's uh, politically, I better make sure it appears like I'm on the side of Israel and the Jews. Uh, well, look, I always say more than anything, the numbers and the data, uh, they 
tell the truth when it comes to politicians. Politicians all have narratives on both sides of the aisle. You need to go through the numbers and the statistics to tell whether or not those narratives are fictional or non-fictional. And just look at all the money that Joe Biden has released to Iran. Just look at the idea that he's thinking about a potential pause right now, which would only help Hamas terrorists. And it'll show you exactly what side Joe Biden is actually on. I'm on the way to this event uh, last night, and you know, Andrew, that um, well, I fight with everybody. I even fought with you at one point, but uh, you're, you're, I love you to pieces. I really do. I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I love you dearly. And I was fighting with Mark Levin not that long ago. And then um, I decided one Sunday morning, just like I did with you on Father's Day, to send him a text and say, what are we doing here? You know, I'm sorry. And he apologized, too. And he was on a couple of weeks ago, and he was great. So yesterday, I'm on my way to the event, Drew, and I get an unprovoked text from Mark Levin. I look at the phone, I go, Levin? And he's furious. He sent me a couple of um, tweets from Tom Cotton. I'm not sure if you heard these, but they go like this. Tom Cotton, Biden is now secretly pressuring Israel to allow fuel into Gaza. Mm -hmm. Hamas has huge reserves of fuel, more than we've got. They can use it for civilians and hospitals, but instead they're stockpiling rockets and terror tunnels. Biden literally wants to fuel Hamas's war machine. Israel should absolutely flatly reject this outrageous pressure campaign, confident that Congress has its back, and Levin's next text to me is, Sid, do you believe it? This son of a bitch is threatening Israel. This is the Joe Biden that Israelis and Jews vote for and tell me he's doing a good job? He hates us. Yeah. Think about if uh, in the days after September 11th we found out that Israel, after you know, saying some positive statements about the United States of America, we're going to be there with you. Let's just say in October of 2001, we found out that Israel actually wanted to make sure that in Afghanistan, al-Qaeda terrorists ended up getting supplies and humanitarian needs. That's what this is akin to. That's exactly what you can line this up to, because that humanitarian aid that everybody talks about, the U.N. Gen- General Assembly, which, by the way, the U.N. General Assembly, they ended up uh, voting for a ceasefire, calling for a ceasefire, but not not condemning Hamas terrorists. Think about that. Think about what we have on our east side here in Manhattan and how anti-Semitic that damn organization is. Um, But it is incredible when you actually look at this and when you actually see where the Biden administration stands on this stuff. And you just realize this aid, this is not going to maybe those few Palestinian citizens that may be in the minority, that may dislike Hamas, that may actually think that Israel should have a right to exist. It's going to the Hamas terrorists that sadly are controlling the country. And I look at it this way, right? When you want to talk about a ceasefire, you want to talk about peace and all that, show me one Palestinian movement that has been out there that has talked about the right for Jews to exist, that has been vocal about it, that has gone out and that has protested for that right to exist. There's not, there, there are not any out there. None. Maybe there, maybe there are some people that feel that way privately and don't want to get their heads chopped off, and I understand that. But, darn, in one of these democratic countries, I'm not talking about in Gaza, but at least in the United States of America, America get out and march and show that you exist and show the Palestinian people that there's another way to exist without eradicating Jews around the world. You know, <laughs> Gail King was on CBS yesterday, Andrew. I can't stand her. I know how she got to where she got because of Oprah. That's great. It's good to have friends in high places. I get it. 
if she's quoting that there needs to be a pause, or that's what Biden wants, but she was clearly, uh, the way she talked about it, on his side, because Hamas is reporting 3,600 children dead. Now, listen, again, at the risk of sounding insensitive, at this point, I don't care. They threw our babies alive in ovens October the 7th, burned them alive. They cut the heads of kids off all morning long. That doesn't mean these poor kids deserve to die in Palestine, but I hate to say it, they started it. Here's what you're going to get. And for Gail King to quote Hamas, Hamas said 3,600 kids dead. When did Hamas all of a sudden become a credible source for CBS News? Tell me. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, and you go look back, right, the hospital bombing. Immediately the New York Times ran with this stuff, and the left ran with this and said, well, Hamas is saying it. It must be true over here. It's, it's incredible when you think about it. No, I, I don't understand why on earth you would go and take Hamas's word for this when it's obvious you can't confirm what the casualty count is. And by the way, Hamas also, when they're getting this information out there, they're not distinguishing between who's terrorist and who's civilians. So we don't know how many of those people are actually terrorists. We don't know if that's the accurate number. And we don't know how many actual terrorists by a numerical standpoint, we've gotten, look, I'm sure the Israeli government, I'm sure they know, I'm sure the special forces know, but they haven't released that number out to the population. Well, we gave them we gave them plenty of time to get out of there, weeks and weeks and weeks. We, we actually, yes, Biden made them wait, then he makes them pause, then he tells them the, the fuel. I mean, they, they had plenty of time to get out. And at this point, uh, it is war. That's what war and, is. And in doing that, it allows Hamas to actually prepare up for that invasion. Of course. He did in order to look and say to the Palestinian people, you know what, I'm going to give you the time yes. to be able to adjust to this. And, and think I mean, about imagine, this. Imagine uh, that. Right. And think about this. A girl like Mia Shem, if she's still alive, yeah. if she's still alive, 21-year-old gorgeous girl. And I hate saying this, but how many guys are raping her in that tunnel today? How many dirty, disgusting Hamas, Palestinian lowlives are raping that girl every day. Every day you wait to go in there and get those people out, or God forbid if they die, is another day of rape and torture for young girls like Mia Shem. How is that good? But let me go to your father for a second. Reason, one of the reasons why your father is so good, and you are too, the apple didn't fall far from the tree, is because he's on yesterday, and he's critical of Eric Adams. He certainly is. But he's not over the top. He's the greatest mayor of all time. I think the worst thing he said yesterday was, I'm disappointed. He didn't kill him. He's basically saying, I love this city and I want to see more. Whether it's the illegals crisis, whether it's the real threat of terrorism here in New York City. And now, of course, this was uh, before the FBI raid on Brianna Suggs' apartment yesterday. So what are your thoughts on that? So my thoughts are a couple fold, right? I I look at this and say, first off, how is this going to affect the mayor doing his job, which is going down to Washington, D.C., and actually trying to convince the Biden administration, which has not been receptive already, and Congress to get New York the funding that he thinks it needs? Look, I think we all think that's a temporary Band-Aid, but until there's something done on the federal level here in terms of securing the border, uh, it's going to be what New York ultimately needs over the course of it. I know you said this time and time again, and you've mentioned Arthur Idala coming on the show, talking about the fact that New York's not getting any money. Uh, the thing that I wonder about all of this, when you look at how the Biden administration operates, 
I do not think it's coincidental that Biden's FBI went after Mayor Adams. Oh, no. The day that he's You're not doing this, are you? You're not one of these conspiracies. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Hold, hold on, though. Hold on. Okay. You, you have an FBI. You have an FBI that goes and looks at parents and calls them domestic terrorists. True. You have an, F, you have an FBI that goes after Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump instead of actually doing the intelligence service on true. Hamas. This true. is now a political organization. It's true. They yep. practice in politics more than they do the actual uh, law enforcement stuff that they actually should be doing and their mission. Look, do I have proof of this? No, I don't have proof of this. But I can tell you that the FBI has become far more political. Just look at the appointees that have been in there. Look at Page. Look at Strzok. Look at everything that they have said that has been released. These are political actors now. These are not law enforcement people. And they think like politicians, which sadly to say I've been around in my whole life. Um, it's not a great way to think in terms of what's actually the right thing for your country. I've been lucky to have been around a few exceptional ones, <laughs> but I've seen also a lot of people that look at this and say, man, this is really, really bad. I also look, Sid, and I look at the fact when you look at KSK, which is this construction group that donated to Adams, right? There were 11 people working at KSK that gave between $1,200 and $1,500. That's a little suspicious to have that kind of number. Now, somebody could say, okay, well, look, maybe there was a fundraiser or an event that the owner ended up circulating and saying, okay, it's going to be a $1,200 event to get in. So maybe that's where this ends up coming from. But then you would think that the owner would have actually maybe given a bigger check to the mayor. The owner also only gave a $1,500 check, which it just, and again, this is just suspicious, but it makes me think that they were trying to spread the donations around in order to kind of become under yeah. the radar, yeah. give it a little bit under the radar. So it's all suspicious. Look, I'm, I'm looking at this kind of the same way that everybody else is and saying, hey, is this, is there, there's a lot of smoke. Yeah. Is there actually fire? Does this go to the mayor? Or well, not? Uh, I will say, I will, if you heard Curtis earlier, you know that uh, last week uh, the mayor raised a Turkish flag. This is, yeah. you know, Eric Adams is uh, very pro-Israel, very pro-Jewish, and Erdogan, who, of course, is the president of Turkey, was actually praising Hamas. So why would you raise a Turkish flag? And you do know, of course, Andrew, that according to Curtis and others, this Brooklyn yeah. construction company, Turkish. Yeah. No, it is. This that doesn't look good. Turkish. It is Turkish. And I'll tell you this. Here's the other thing that's a little suspicious when you look actually at the Suggs and who they actually arrested. The mayor claims to have gone to Turkey six or seven times. I think Curtis ended up highlighting that earlier in the hour over here. But remember, his relationship with Turkey started in 2015. In 2015, this Suggs was in high school. So it's not like she was the one courting this relationship. She literally just got into this role in 2021. So the mayor's relationship with Turkey dates far back, six years to all this. So when you look at this and you say, wait a second, is the 25-year-old going to be actually the fall person here? Or do they actually have some information that predates 2021 when she was in this role? I think at the very, very minimum. This goes up to Martin, who is the mayor's gatekeeper. A lot of people call him his chief advisor. Um, and it would not surprise me if this goes right to the mayor. The thing is, it would surprise me. Have, yeah. it, would, it would or would Yeah, I mean, I, I think Brianna gets burned here. I think Ingrid gets burned here. I think uh, some other uh, high people uh, now and, and former in the Adams administration get burned, but I'd be surprised if it hits the mayor. I think he, I think he gets away and uh, runs again, and uh, he's got two and a half million already towards his 2025 campaign. <laughs>
How much? How much of that money is uh, is foreign donations? I, I don't know, but I, I, don't I you know. Know. <laughs> no, but I, all kidding aside, when you talked about Biden and all that, I said, well, no, no, stop. But to be honest, it is not crazy what you're saying. And um, I would not be surprised at all if, in fact, Biden went out of his way to make sure that he inflicted some pain on Eric Adams because he has been outspoken about the migrant crisis. So I think everything you just said, Andrew Giuliani, all of it was probably right on the money. That's a great appearance. Thank you so much. Well, Sid, thank you very much, as always, and and keep up the great work. And, Pete, always, always great to hear your voice, and uh, let's, let's go Rangers. Yeah, we'll get to a game soon. See you, Andrew. Are you still begging Morgan for Ranger tickets? No, Andrew. Oh, never every have. day, every day. I, I, <laughs> no, no, no. I text every single day around like 4:45, just in case the tickets not used. To, Only on home game days, though. Actually, to, right? to be fair, he invited me to a game. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, listen. He's a real Ranger fan. I have to break here, but the, the first time I actually met Andrew, he met me and Danielle for dinner at Michael's restaurant in Brooklyn. Yep. And the Rangers were playing the Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals. And we had a hard time getting the conversation in because we were watching the Ranger game behind us. He is a real Ranger fan. Hey, Andrew, have a great weekend, pal. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and by the way, between how beautiful Danielle looked in the Ranger game, I barely even looked at Sid all night. I think he made eye contact like twice. So. I don't blame you, buddy. I don't blame you. That's uh, the great Andrew Giuliani. He's on this show 740 every Friday morning. Does a great podcast at this station. And he's just a terrific young man. We'll take a short break. Hour three coming up. It's a big one. Joseph Takapina is going to be here at 840. And we'll talk to Tom Biggers, who runs the NYPD Marathon Club. My wife, Danielle, the aforementioned beautiful Danielle, running alongside the cops coming up this Sunday. The 8 o'clock hour is next. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Big theme today, Jackson Brown. It occurred to me that uh, when Forrest Gump was running, he just he was just running. You know, they were playing this song. They, they played this "Running on Empty" by Jackson Brown. Lou and I, um, I told Lewis this morning. I texted him at 
4.40 a.m., I said. No, 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 no. Much earlier than that. Was it earlier than that? 4.40. I'm almost Maybe it was 3.40. Yeah. I just, I swear to I was. Oh, uh, no, you're right. I was on the toilet, actually. uh, I sit down to make pee-pee now sometimes because I'm old. And I texted you at about 3.30 in the morning. And I was embarrassed about telling I was getting out of the shower. I was getting out of the shower, and I'm like, why is it buzzing already? Yeah. Right there, because my phone is right down the sink. Right. Well, I told you we are going to do a run theme today, and um, so we've been picking uh, you for the most part, doing a great job picking these uh, running songs. So uh, thank you very much for that. So the race is coming up on Sunday. Pete Morgan sitting to my left, his lovely daughter, Spencer, about to run her fourth straight marathon. My beautiful wife, uh, Danielle, will be running her sixth New York City marathon, her 40th marathon overall. And uh, I do want to thank John and Margot Katz and Matidis again and Joe Parisi. Christides is providing a ton of food For the group that Danielle is running with this year, it is the NYPD Running Club, running with the cops, as Michael Kemper, Mr. Transit Chief, just put up a picture on Instagram of me, him, and his wife at that big event last night. We love the cops on this show. Tom Biggers has become a good friend, NYPD. He runs the Marathon Club, which Danielle will be running with. I think Pat Russo's kid, Frankie. Not the same Frankie Russo that worked here. He's running with that club, too. There he is, my friend Tom Biggers. Tommy, good morning, pal. How are you? Hey, good morning, Sid. How are you today? I'm doing great. I think the last time I saw you was uh, during that couple, more than couple, almost six-month period when we were forced out of our home due to the water damage and living in Battery Park uh, right outside my building. I used to live at the Gateway Plaza. I think I saw the the whole crew, all you guys out there. Well, that was the 5K, right? The Marathon Club 5K. Yeah, that's right. Uh, every every May we have a NYPD Memorial 5K run. It's right over there uh, on the water's edge, right where you were staying. And uh, matter of fact, uh, when I saw you that day, we did have uh, young Frank Russo. Uh, he's one of our great runners. He's going to be uh, at the start line, uh, standing beside all the other great runners. Yeah, he was there that day. That's right. And you had a great press conference. Uh, and all of you guys, you and at the time, Pat Lynch was still the PBA president. And Keyshawn Sewell was still the commissioner. She now got a job with the New York Mets. And all you guys uh, made a point to point me out in the crowd, which I thought was very, very nice. And that was a great race. But uh, 5K, while it is terrific, it's just about three miles. This one on Sunday, this is a bitch. <laughs> so have you ever run this race yourself, Tom? Yeah, I've actually run four of them. It's been uh, quite a while. I haven't run since 2014. I ran the Boston Marathon. But um, the amazing thing is people like your wife, uh, your wife going on her 40th marathon, which is extremely impressive. Um, And we have others here in our club. We got one guy's running his 50th this year. So just running a marathon is nothing like a 5K. But, you know, for everyone that's listening out there, if you could run a 5K, you could run a marathon. It's just about the commitment and and putting in the work. Oh, cut that out. Will you stop it? <laughs> I can run a 5K. I've even done two half marathons. I, I could barely drive 26 miles. <laughs> but I know your point. It's it's work hard, and uh, these folks do inspire you to do stuff like that. And I remember the first time I think I met you. I think um, I think one of the ladies who works with you reached out to me on Instagram, but I think I was walking in the Jacob Javits Center with Danielle a couple of years ago at the Expo, and you guys had a, um, had a booth there. I guess you still do. And I remember, Tom, there was a gentleman there from England, and his daughter, oh, my God, it's such a sad story, but his beautiful young daughter was murdered 
He's a cop in the streets of England. And I remember having this lengthy conversation with him about the difference between policing in the U.K. and policing here in New York. I know you know the guy I'm talking about. That was a fascinating and very, very sad conversation. But that was the day that we met, and ever since then we've become good friends. But who was that guy I was talking to? That's uh, Brian Hughes. He uh, lost his uh, young daughter, who is, uh, I believe she may have been under 25 years old, and she was. Uh, I think she was nineteen. She was like a, nineteen, I think. Tom, uh, really young. She was really young. Yeah. yeah. She was lured to a, a home with the intention to be murdered. The there was a maniac that literally threw a hand grenade at her and her oh. partner. So he he came over here, and we love to host uh, cops. We have cops running this race uh, with us this year from all over the world, and we have so many other great people. We we have one group where we have an officer who unfortunately was taken taken away from us uh, by his father up in the Bronx um, on a murder-suicide. And we have seven cops that never ran before. And all of a sudden, people that work with this gentleman are coming out and coming out. And his honor's name was Alexis Martinez. And uh, they'll be coming out running for him. And, you know, there's so many great backstories like that in the marathon. I think that uh, Tanya Kinsella, who's – Maybe even right behind my dear friend, Eddie Caban, the commissioner. She's high up there. Maybe after Madri, I don't know. She's uh, running. Is she running with you guys or no? Yeah, she sure is. She's actually the number two um, in the police department. Tanya Kinsella, the first deputy police commissioner. We also have uh, Chief Martin Matarazzo who's running. Uh, We have Chief Wilson uh, Arambolas is running, Arabolas. So we, we have a bunch of bosses running up in the front. And uh, it's just great to see NYPD supporting the NYPD Running Club. And, and just, you know, they've created the health and wellness program and the NYPD sports teams unit. So these are things that they do uh, behind the scenes with NYPD to try to help the cops do something outside of policing and, and you know, just promote health and wellness. So you, you can't beat it when you have the big boss running and all the other chiefs and, and people that are supporting us. Uh, one really, really big shout out to John and Margo Castamatidis. I mean, they they're laying out uh, you know some good good money. You know they're, yeah. they're sending in uh, as you mentioned uh, Joe Parisi from Gristides and D'Agostino, and they're going to be providing all the food at our post marathon party. So we really we can't be more thankful to you guys and and also what John and Margo and all you people at WABC do every day to back the blue. We really, really thank you for that. No, listen, uh, as much as I pride myself and pat myself on the back, and and uh, it's deserved, nobody better than John and Margo. The amount of money and time they spend with the PAL, for example, and all those programs, and and you're right, they, uh, they're they always enthusiastic. Just last night, in fact, we went to an event that was really a religious event. They're honoring folks like A.R. Bernard and uh, Cardinal Dolan was there, but... Uh, for example, former police commissioner Demar Shea was there. We had a great conversation, and Jeff Madry was there, and Michael Kemper was there. So, uh, so many nights throughout the week, we do stuff. Tom Biggers, where the local police are involved, and we love the NYPD. So, how many folks are members of this marathon club? Well, we have more than 350 runners in our club, but we, we're going to have about 150 cops um, at the front line, near the front line, and and what's great about that is. They're actually they got 
an extra set of eyes and ears to just keep everybody safe. So it's a great concept where we're up at the front line to compete against the fire department annually. So it's a great competition. Oh, wait, so but you yeah. guys, I know you guys like play an annual football game against the fire department. The hockey game gets really nasty. I know that. So even the marathon, you're going up against those guys? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Since the uh, first day, the first marathon 50 years ago, we've been racing ever since. It's actually called the Mayor's Cup competition, and it scores the top 10 runners in the race. We we have a lot of people in the competition because you don't know who's going to perform the best each day. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be the Mayor's Cup competition, and, and we're hoping that NYPD brings home the cup this well, year. Well, who has won? Uh, i got to go with the firemen on this one. Those guys carry around like 70 pounds of equipment like Stephen Siddle did. God rest his soul. Frank Siddle's brother who died at 9-11. i got to think, and I may be wrong, i got to think the fire guys have you beat. You tell me who's won the majority of the last 10 marathons. They have probably won the majority of yeah. the last 10 marathons and overall, but I believe, uh, I, th- I think this is our year for sure. We have well, you got really, Danielle. Really great, you, great brought, you brought in the ringer. You brought my wife, Danielle. Right. <laughs> 40 marathons. Can you believe it? That's. Uh, well, you let me tell you, you know, can I believe it? I have to tell you that I'm one of those guys, Tom. I'm like the real ugly American. Like, I don't want to be bothered. I'm very, very happy going to the gym in my community, watching football eating at a local restaurant. I don't need to travel. But then when we do travel, I love it every time. And really because of Danielle's marathon career, uh, everywhere from Big Sur to Paris to London, she's gone to places like Berlin and Tokyo alone, but we have uh, had some Boston. We've had some amazing, amazing trips together, which uh, these marathons, of course, are, are held all over the world, and she's got the Abbott, which is the six majors, which include New York, Chicago, and Boston in America, and Berlin, Tokyo, and London outside the United States. I don't know how many of the guys on your team or gals do that, but to get the Abbott trophy, that is about as big as it gets, Tom Biggers. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, we got quite a few few people that are either um, working to get it, already accomplished that, but... uh, one thing I maybe want to let out of the bag, I don't know if you know this already, you may want to pack some winter clothes for your next trip because I spoke to Danielle, and she's thinking about running Antarctica. Yeah, I, I think she wants to do all the continents. So <laughs> She does. Um, yeah, she I may. Know you like the sun and the beach, but uh, <laughs> yeah. get some winter clothes going. Yeah, I think she's uh, looking to do that race in March. I'm like, come on, Danielle, it's cold still here in March. Isn't there one in the Bahamas or Hawaii? Uh, so I think she is going to do that. Antarctica, you're right, and eventually tackle every continent. So what is it like out there on the course? Do you find that uh, New Yorkers who, I know police go through a lot of hell, too much hell, you know that. We talk about that all the time. There's still a, way too many people who are really disrespectful to the police and don't love what you guys do. We're not one of those. But do you find that uh, a lot of folks out there on the course applaud you guys and give you guys a lot of support during this race? Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's one day of the year where you just feel so proud of being a cop. And, you know, what I've heard from so many people and I've experienced myself is, you know, the marathon's a tough race, and quite often when you're in – those later miles of the race and you're struggling and everybody's yelling, go NYPD, go NYPD. So, I mean, we hear it from start to finish. The crowds are way, totally behind the police and by and large, they love the police. So we, we just, you know, we're, we're motivated by hearing those cheers and hopefully you'll see everybody wearing the NYPD shirts on Sunday and, and 
you know, give us a cheer, give the fire department a yeah. cheer. It's it's going to be a beautiful day. By the way, I did notice uh, Danielle brought our credentials home yesterday, and I saw this beautiful blue with yellow lettering NYPD jogging up it and all that. How come I didn't get any of that stuff? I mean, I'm making this race bigger than it ever was. Let's be honest. Nice. Well, hopefully I'll see you Sunday, so okay. maybe we'll have something for you. Yeah, I want to wear that. I want to sleep I'm, a little later on Sunday, but we still need you to get there pretty early. I was told I got to be up at five o'clock in the morning. What are you talking about? That's late for you. You get up at three <laughs> o'clock. You're right. That, <laughs> You're right about that. So, how many years? So we'll wrap it up right here, Tom. And um, man, I love you. I do. I love what you do. You're a great, great guy and a terrific cop. And you represent everything great about the NYPD and this terrific city of ours. How many years have you headed this group? Well, I mean, I was behind the scenes helping out as a volunteer for, you know, a bunch of years. I've taken over as the president about 25 years ago. Wow. But I, I've been I've been a member of the NYPD running club since I went into the police academy 40 years ago. So and it's been nothing but joy and it brings so much pleasure to me. And it's a great way for us cops to network with each other, see each other outside the radio car, outside the precinct and it's just a, it's a great organization as well as all the other sports teams in NYPD. Forty years, Tom. Where did you uh, spend most of your time? What boroughs? What precincts? Well, I started in Brooklyn North, so I was in you know a couple of the difficult precincts that were busy. Um, but then I moved on to detective units. I was in Manhattan, and I've uh, you know been thirty. I was a cop for twenty years in the city, so you move around a bunch of times, but. You know, it's uh, no matter where you are, you know, it's it's a great job as long as you work hard. Tom Biggers, you're a terrific guy. I appreciate uh, all you're doing for the cops, for the city, for my wife. I look very much forward to seeing you on uh, Sunday morning. Going to be fun. Thank you very much. See you at the race. Have a great day. Thank you. You're welcome. Tom Biggers right there, the president of the NYPD Marathon Runners Club. Big, big day coming up on Sunday. I say it every year. I mean it. This is far and away, 50,000 large, mind you. This is far and away the biggest and most impressive event, but in the U.S. Open, that New York does every year. It's the New York City Marathon, and it comes your way this Sunday. Sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Say
Doobie Brothers. It keeps you running, running the theme today. New York City Marathon coming up on Sunday. Once again, healthy congratulations to my dear friend Keith Kantowitz, who was honored last night at the 2023 Humanitarian Dinner, led by the Board of Rabbis, Joe Potashnik, was great last night. Kantowitz and A.R. Bernard, who was also terrific last night. So congratulations to both of those guys. I know the Dorfmans were the folks that basically put it on at the lovely Pierre Hotel. So, once again, hearty congratulations to Keith Kantrowitz and the Reverend A.R. Bernard. You can catch every Sunday morning with Potashnik here on ABC. Although David Ushery, who's a big star locally on Channel 7, it was great, during uh, the dinner last night when he uh, gave Bernard the award, he said, you know, I've been on that show, the uh, Reverend the Rabbi, and it's great, he said, and he says it's right to the audience. He goes, but how can I get on the Sid Rosenberg show, which I thought was great. Thank you, David Ushery. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, he's the best defense attorney in the country, represents Donald Trump, a host of others, and he was just on TV again. But we'll tell you why. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Takapina is a criminal defense attorney. He's a former prosecutor, and he's like famous as a TV lawyer. I've been working with you for 20 years now, Joe, so I wanted you to weigh in on this about runners. You and I have covered a lot of cases, but I don't know that we've ever had a case, um, I don't think I have, where the defendant has literally been a runner twice, such that there's four to five guards who are standing around her in the courtroom. A, do you think it's a huge deal for the defense attorney because... It's going to be brought up to the jury. And B, do you think those jurors notice all those guards who are now standing around her so this kind of thing doesn't happen again? Look, in a normal case, Ashley, um, and good to see you again, by the way. In a normal case, um, this would be a huge deal, a huge deal, because it, it exhibits consciousness of guilt, right? Fleeing is, is, a, is an act that one is normally doing when they're consciousness, conscious of their guilt. What about so OJ? Conscious of guilt. So, here, it, it, it's it's tr- troublesome that it happened not only once, but twice. Um, but based on the evidence that Alex just laid out, what I've read and followed in this case so far, I don't think it's going to make a lick of difference in this case. I mean, this this is one of the most powerful circumstantial evidence cases I've ever seen. Um, so much so that the defense was left with, with an opening statement that simply said there's no direct evidence. There's no direct evidence. He didn't even say she didn't do it. <laughs> there's no direct evidence. And that's great. But circumstantial evidence is oftentimes much more powerful than direct evidence, Ashley, as you know. I mean, you know, you can have an individual walk into a room and say it's raining outside, and you have to just trust that person. And then, you know, you have to also question the credibility of the messenger. Opposed to that's direct evidence, opposed to circumstantial evidence, when a person walks in a room soaking wet with an umbrella and they're dripping it, dripping wet, and they're shaking off the umbrella, that's pretty powerful evidence that it's raining outside. That's called circumstantial evidence. Sometimes circumstantial evidence is much more powerful than direct evidence because you don't really get to impeach it. And here, this circumstantial evidence is as powerful as, as any I've seen ever. All right, so that's my great friend, uh, 46 years, the best defense attorney in the country, in the world, Donald Trump's guy, Takapino, with an old friend of ours, Lewis. Remember those days back in uh, the early 2000s? Really, 9-11, Ashley Banfield? Long time. 
We used to see Ashley Banfield almost every day with Imus. She had short hair, and she was great, though. I liked Ashley. Now she's on this uh, News Nation. Everybody goes there. Chris Cuomo's there, that asshole. Who else is at the News Nation? Uh, uh, the guy from uh, 1010 Wins is there. Lee Harris. And then you get uh, Dan Abrams and a few other folks. I don't know. But uh, Takapina was on talking about this Caitlin Armstrong case. I have no idea what that case is about, but it was worthy of a TV appearance. So, Joseph, tell me, what is this uh, Caitlin Armstrong case all about? Yeah, it's what I said. I was just listening to what I said on TV. It's true. It's the most powerful case of circumstantial evidence ever. It's basically a woman who killed her boyfriend's, you know, paramour, girlfriend, um, you know, in, in, in cold-blooded fashion, just stood over her, shot her, and then fled to Costa Rica um, under an alias, fled to Costa Rica, got a facelift and changed her face under an alias. Oh, boy. Um, the GP, I mean, the evidence in this case, so one, the GPS did in this case in the car recorded the defendant's car outside of the victim's home within nice. an hour of the shooting and yeah. left within a minute of the shooting. Oh boy. Um, it is, it's a, it's a horrible case. I mean, this poor, uh, and by the way, she was a runner, uh, like the, the, a marathon runner, the, the one who was killed. As, as oh, like Danielle? Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's a horrible, horrible story. You know, you know, I, I, I kind of joked if no, you heard no, me. No scenario where this woman is found not guilty. No, she'll be, so uh, during the actual cut there, I said, OJ, because, you know, I distinctly remember when uh, when O.J. was in that Bronco and threatening to kill himself and all that nonsense during the Knicks-Rockets game, by the way, which is very disrespectful yeah. of O.J. Simpson. He yeah. uh, he had a passport and $10,000 and was looking to flee. He thought he'd get away with it, him, him and A.C. in that white Bronco, but the police caught him. So uh, very similar to what you're talking about, he, he was clearly on the run, but he got off. Well, O.J. is an anomaly. That's the case. That, you know, when I tried cases after O.J. as a defense lawyer, I had to tell jurors basically, you know, this is not the O.J. Simpson trial, okay? Because there was a kickback, really. There was, it felt like there was a, the pendulum was swinging the other way against defendants in that case because everyone was furious with that, with that verdict. He got off because of a lot of different things, incompetent prosecutors, um, excellent defense lawyers, a jury that was completely from O.J. Simpson's sort of uh, neck of the woods when he grew up, not the way he was now, but they were poor minorities on that jury. You had a racist cop, Mark Furman, who got on the witness stand, admitted he used the N-word multiple times, and then lied about it, took the Fifth Amendment. The police officer in the O.J. Simpson case, the lead detective, took the Fifth Amendment in front of the jury. You can't have all these things happen and not expect uh, an acquittal in that case. But he was then held liable in the civil case. I don't think anyone here thinks O.J. Simpson is not guilty. If you do, you know, obviously you're you're not paying attention. He he was held uh, liable in the civil case for $32 million, of which I've heard he paid about 80 cents. That's interest on one dollar, I uh, he hasn't done anything for that. I do want to ask you though, talking about O.J. Simpson and celebrities, you have you have uh, been there for a million celebrities, defended a million from Leonardo DiCaprio to Foxy Brown to Lilo Brancato to Alex Rodriguez. I know right now you've got ASAP Rocky on your way back to Los Angeles on Monday for folks that are on keeping score. ASAP Rocky is with Rihanna. They've got a couple of kids together. What's the latest with that trial? 
well, we're starting preliminary hearings next week. I mean, this thing is real. It's a, you know, it's a serious case for, for ASAP and for Rihanna. They just had their second baby, um, you know, this beautiful kid. And, and so they have – his life is going so well right now. He's married to Rihanna, who is a billionaire. He's, he's hitting ads for Gucci and all these major brands as their spokesperson. Um, he's a terrific human being, so he's really different than a lot of people in that genre. He's really terrific as a person. But he's got a case. That could, you know, put him in jail for many, many years if he's convicted. It's, a, it's an assault case with a gun by, based on some allegation of some jealous hanger-oner who felt he was, you know, not getting a cut of Rocky's hard-earned money. And, you know, you, you grew up with these people. You said we all know, right? The higher you get, there are some people who are happy for you, your friends. And then on the other hand, you have people who are just miserable haters. Tell the higher me. you get, the yeah. more... The yeah. more that the more they want to take you down, and, yep. and that's what we have here. So yep. it's going to be a, it's a trial. I mean, we're going to doing preliminary hearings next week, um, the next two weeks really, and then it'll be a trial at next some point next year, and we're going to try that case, and we're going to win that case. Look at you, Los Angeles, Rihanna, Aesop, Rocky, fancy restaurants. Who knows? Chiefs what, at bay. Chiefs at bay. Probably staying at the yeah. Beverly Hills Hotel. Um, the other uh, pretty famous person you're in the middle of representing is a guy named Donald Trump. Now, Donald was not here this week. I'll tell you a funny story. So uh, Eric was in uh, was in court yesterday, and I believe his daughter will be there today. But two days ago, Donald Trump Jr. was in court. So the lady, the attorney who works for the uh, AG's office, I can't believe this, is a lady named Colleen Faraday. And she was the one who was, I guess, uh, cross-examining uh, Donald Trump Jr., so years and years ago, she was uh, working for somebody, I don't know who, and Danielle was working legal aid, I think. And they're in court together, and maybe it wasn't legal aid. She may have been with the company at that point, I don't know. But Danielle went at this lady, Colleen Faraday, so hard. This is a true story, Joe, that Colleen actually ran out of court crying. 100% true story. So when I saw the other day that this Faraday person, this joke, was the best the AG office can do to go against Donald Trump Jr., I texted Jr. And I go, I want you to know my wife made this attorney run out of court crying, and he responded in two seconds, ha-ha, not surprised, not the sharpest tool in the box. So these these are the people that are going up against Trump's kids. I know that's going to help Trump and his family, but it doesn't seem like it's a it's a it's a roster of heavy hitters for Letitia James. No, it's it's, it's such amateur hour in there, Sid. I mean, just reading the transcripts and listening to what's going on, it is it's unbelievable. This case is really a travesty. It really is. It's a waste of taxpayer money. It's a political look again. The AG. James ran a campaign on I'm going to get Donald Trump. And then I asked a simple question, because please think this through and let this soak around your head a little bit. How could someone who's a private citizen run a campaign based on evidence they don't have access to yet to know that they're going to get Donald Trump? How does someone do that unless they already have an agenda? And no matter where the evidence took them, they were going after Donald Trump. That's what Letitia James did. She, she basically did something that was so ridiculously stupid by announcing to the world that she was going to go after Trump before she was, had subpoena power, before she had access to evidence. So she made that decision before she was elected. And that's, this is the byproduct of that. This case is, is such a joke. Look, there's other cases that are serious and have to be dealt with. Those are the criminal cases. This is a civil case. No matter how well Don 
Jr. and Eric did on the witness stand, and they weren't really touched. They simply said, look, we had nothing to do with the preparation of financial statements, period, end of story, okay? And they have no proof otherwise. No matter how well they did, it doesn't matter. This case is already a fixed case. I mean, the judge has already ruled before the trial that the fraud was committed. Now this is just about the punishment phase, how much. So, you know, this is going to go up on appeal for years. At the end of the day, this is the least. This is just, a, you know, another example of, of the system being weaponized against an individual people don't like. And it's not right. It's just not right. And then, of course, this is on the heels of uh, Georgia where Jen Ellis and a bunch of others turned their back uh, on Trump. We talked about this a couple of days ago, and you, you made a pretty decent argument as to why she would. I mean, they put the screws to you. You don't have a lot of money. You have no money, and you're basically dead in the water. But that, was, uh, that wasn't a very good week last week for Rudy or our friend Donald Trump. No, it wasn't. Anytime you have lawyers who are very close to you cooperating, pleading guilty to crimes, giving up their careers and cooperating, it's never very good. But again, I will. I read Sid. I talked about it on your show last week, and I read her statement that she wrote in, uh, wrote out and read in court, open court, behind all her tears. Um, you know, she talked about had she known, you know, she, she wouldn't have done this. She should have done more diligence. She didn't know the things she was saying was fraudulent or false. That's what she said. Well, if that's the case, then that doesn't really lay a glove on on Giuliani or Trump. Because what she's saying is, I acted in good faith at the time. Maybe I was naive. Maybe I was stupid. Maybe I should have known better. But I thought we were doing the right thing. So if she thought that, she can't get up on the witness stand later and then say, yes, back then we had a secret meeting in a closet where Rudy and, and, and the president told me, we know the election wasn't stolen, but go out there and perpetrate a fraud. She cannot say that now based on her statement in open court. So, again, I don't think this is going to be that significant of a development at the end of the day. Last night I went to this uh, beautiful event and they honored uh, Kantrowitz and A.R. Bernard, the Board of Rabbis. Uh, I met Cardinal Dolan, took a nice picture with the Cardinal. Sweet guy. And uh, oh, before I get to that, she was the assistant AG. It was four years ago. Danielle was with Ballon Stoll. And during a deposition, she was asking the dumbest questions. I verbally dismantled her. She ran out crying during the deposition. Okay, there you go. All right, so, Joe, so uh, so I see uh, Eric Adams. Now, you, you know this by, by, from, like, examples of, of this happening in real life, right? Danielle could make you run out of a room crying. Oh, 100%. I mean, no question, right? <laughs> you know that. So I, I, saw, uh, I saw the mayor last night. He walked in right when I did. So how you doing, Eric? And I know you're friendly with Eric, too. I know you're disappointed in some things. We all are. But you're friendly with him for the most part. And how I am doing fine. And uh, this is, of course, hours after the FBI raids, you know, Brianna's place there in Crown Heights. Now there's all kinds of uh, stories coming out of Turkey. President Erdogan, Adams raised the Turkish flag last Friday. There's a Brooklyn construction company that seems to be the middleman that's donating a bunch of money. They happen to be Turkish as well. So somehow or another, Turkey may come back to bite all these folks in the ass. Now, most people I speak to think Adam skates, but Brianna, Ingrid, and some others may go down in flames. From what you know about this story, Eric Adams and the FBI raiding his top donor's house in Brooklyn yesterday, what do you take from it? Oh, this is, this is serious. By the way, she's not his top donor. She's more important than that. She's a, a lobbyist. She's his campaign consultant, and she's the individual who raises. Right. No, she's money. not the donor. Right. right. She right. She right. she's in charge she of that. Right. She's far more important than that. So this is something that is very very serious. When the FBI does what they did, um, enforce 
and and they're looking for things like you know basically straw straw donors and 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 a kickback scheme involving the Turkish government the Turkish government and a Brooklyn construction company um, that is a problem and and look Eric Adams understood the severity of what happened there yesterday because he was on the way to Washington D.C. to meet with White House officials and other mayors throughout the country because he canceled that meeting but that's a meeting that he had said for the longest time was so important because the the you know the issue regarding um, illegal immigrants here um, are basically going to hollow out New York's budget and destroy the city. The fact that he left that meeting shows how urgent he deemed this to be. I mean, this he was going to D.C. to do the people's business, okay? He, he should have kept his White House meeting, most political opponents of his will now say, and, and let his campaign handle the fallout from the FBI raids. The fact that he now can't focus on the migrant crisis, which is ripping the city apart, his attention is now on a, a an investigation really doesn't bode well for, um, you know, his political future, in my opinion. And I think his, his opponents are going to seize on that. And, and this, by the way, you know, this, he, it's not insignificant to, you know, when you say it, it, he may skate, let's, we, let's see where this investigation goes. I hope he does skate. But, you know, let's point out that Eric Adams has boasted of his ties to Turkey you know, more than anyone. I mean, he's yeah. been to that country seven times. You know, he said seven times. He said there were no other mayors in New York history who visited Turkey as frequently as he has. Of course, why would a mayor of a city have to visit a country like Turkey? But but he he you know he did seven times. So it's not something insignificant. And look, this Suggs Suggs whatever her name is Brandon Suggs is is the latest state of a series of individuals tied to the mayor yeah. who attracted interest from law enforcement. Okay, yeah. including several connected to his fundraising efforts. Um, Eric Ulrich, the, the former building My buddy, my and, buddy Eric yeah, Ulrich. Yeah. yeah, Eric, you know, was indicted um, in Manhattan, you know, regarding basically uh, help or, or fundraising um, issues. Yeah. So, you know... Well, I, I, and not, I believe, by the way, talking about Eric Ulrich, I think right now he becomes a cooperating witness because he was not very happy with the way Adams treated him on the way out. Well, you know, there you go again. It's that same story we talked about with Jen Ellis. You know, you be careful with the people that are closest to you, when they get in trouble, if you cut the umbilical cord, if you basically turn your back on them immediately, you incentivize them, incentivize them to become a cooperating witness. Michael Cohen is an example. You know, we could all discuss. Obviously, Michael Cohen has the credibility of a pipe cleaner, okay? So I'm not talking <laughs> about him, but, but, you know, Michael Cohen yeah. basically said, I have no choice. I have to cooperate because, you know, he felt abandoned. Now, now, he did some horrible things that he committed crimes outside of the Trump orbit. That's what he was held accountable for, for the most part. Um, but, but you know, you have to be careful when you have people close to you. I read Eric Adams' statement that he hasn't even spoken um, to Brianna Suggs at this point. Now, Brianna Suggs is someone very close to him and one of his key consultants. Um, I find that a little hard to believe, but if it's true, it's not necessarily a good thing for him. Wow. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, this is such a great spot. And you're going to be in Los Angeles next week, so that means that it's 5.40 a.m. local time. And you're probably just getting home from, like, the Mondrian or something. I don't know. But you have to do it next Friday at 5.40 in the morning. So I'll be ready. I'll be ready. <laughs> I might sound a little groggy, a little froggy, but I'll be ready, brother. Well, this was a great, great appearance. Uh, Pete Morgan is sitting to my left. He he loves when oh. you and you text during the Ranger game last night. Oh, that was, yeah. Pete. It's like Pete and I are basically 
like doing play-by-play commentary. Yeah. We <laughs> well, basically text the entire well, game. Right. I mean, oh, during what? the during the playoffs, you two psychos put me on the text, oh, and yeah. I get crazy with it. Thank God during the regular season, you don't bother me. But uh, Peter showed me a picture of his beautiful daughter, Spencer, who's running the marathon on Sunday. There's a TV shot of her sitting by the glass right behind Chris Kreider. And uh, you got a good look at his daughter, but um, he's very excited. I'm excited. How about you? Six straight wins yeah. for the Hockey yeah, Blue Shirts. This is, this is a different team. We're, what are we now, eight and two, Pete? I mean, yeah. this is a, it's a this coach, Laviolette, is exactly what we needed. A no-nonsense defense first, sort of a uh, not a player's coach, so to speak, because he's not friendly to them. He's a tough guy, and, and the guys are coming along. I mean, Igor Shesterkin, by the way, if anyone debates – that he's not yeah. the best goalie on the planet. The guy's extraterrestrial. That's what I mean, he writes, What he yes. did last night was yeah. insane. But one thing Pete and I both said, Sid, and I'll say this to any real Ranger fan who knows, we need Ryan Reeves back. We need Ryan Reeves back because he was the guy, if you remember, Sid, who would basically knock the, the snot out of anybody who crossed one of the skill players like uh, Zabanajad or Panarin yeah. or somebody like that, Adam yeah. Fox. Last night, Adam Fox got leg-whipped by some piece of garbage on the Hurricanes that could have destroyed his career. He's hurt. And, and he didn't get a penalty. He didn't get, not only did he not get a penalty, he, nothing happened to him. If Ryan Reeves was on that team, no. that guy wouldn't have any teeth left at the end of the game. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, calm down. It wasn't like he, Joey Koser, maybe, Nick Fatiu, maybe. I don't know about Reeves. But no, no. you're right. Yeah, he's a crazy they've got. He's a beast fighter. He's yeah. a beast fighter. Ryan Reeves is a beast. And, and believe me, he's the scariest guy in the NHL. We had him, and we let him go, and, and, and we're missing that grit. Pete, I repeat, I think Pete, if Pete's still yeah. there with you. Yeah, I'm right here. Yeah. You, you agree, Pete, right? Absolutely. I mean, and, and we can't afford Trouba to be, to be lumping people up and get him yeah, off no. the ice. That's the problem. Trouba's one of the best players in the league, and he's one of our, yeah. our best overall defensemen. He loved Trouba. And he's, he's, he, I love Trouba. He was yeah. great yeah. last I'm night. Really, yeah. He was really great. Takapita loves Trouba. 26, 26 <laughs> minutes he played. Yeah. Well, I hate to break up this uh, great Ranger talk, but I have to go. I got to talk to Tony Orlando. I have to go live to Israel while we're having this conversation. Much more important. People are dying right now when the guys are stripped. Yeah, but the Rangers are 9 and 2, Sid. I know. It's a big deal. You're right. You know, it does take precedence over people dying in Gaza. You're right. I agree. <laughs> Need the diversion. No, I'm excited about the Rangers. I am. I mean, what else do I got? The Giants are horrible. The Knicks will be fine. They'll be good. But I believe this, uh, Joe Takapina and Pete Morgan. That the team in New York, including the Mets and Yankees, closest to a championship right now is the Rangers. Absolutely. Right? I couldn't agree more. This should should be our year. But, again, I don't want to set myself up for that heartbreak I had I last know. year again. I know. So I just want to let it go. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. By the way, your uh, your Raiders look good. They fired the coach. They fired the GM. Yeah. And even my lou- lousy Giants are going to beat you this weekend. You know, I, I know Mark Davis. And i got to tell you, yes. you know, I was – War texting him, please get rid of this guy. But that coach is the worst coach in football. We are such an embarrassment. It's not even funny. Yeah. I, it's hard to even like watch him. I don't watch. As a matter of fact, I want them to lose yeah. so they get Williams or Pennix, whatever his name is, from Washington. We need a quarterback. I mean, we spent through all this money away on a, a mid-tier quarterback who's horrible. Jimmy Garoppolo. But he's good looking. So, Very good looking, though. Well, that was important. That's important. I mean, it's always important. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. No, but it would be but nice to get. The Canes are 6 and 2, uh, and uh, big, big, big home stretch coming right now. Yeah, the Canes are 6 and 2, and it would be nice to get Devontae Adams, a good quarterback. Joe Tacopino, we love you. An amazing appearance this morning. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Bye, that was boys. a great See job. Ya. Great job, Joe Tacopino. Lots more to come this hour. We will go live to Israel, speak to Alex Trayman. There is new news coming from Jerusalem. And uh, Tony Orlando 
the newest member of the New Jersey Hall of Fame. He's coming up next. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Would you think if I sang out a tune, would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song and I'll try not to sing out a key. Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends. I think I stood up earlier. I think I said David Usher. He was ABC Channel 7. And, of course, I knew already he was NBC. I'm not sure why he said that. Well, because I'm old. Don't worry about it. God, stay out of it. I know I'm arguing myself again. Shut up, Lou. MBC, yeah. I love David Usher. So this song, which, of course, we play as part of the Sid and Friends in the Morning Open, it's ironic. This is the song that Bruce Springsteen, Stephen Van Zandt, Patty Schiappi, Schiappa, excuse me, and Tony Orlando sang together on stage this weekend. Yes, folks, this weekend was the big induction ceremony for the New Jersey Hall of Fame. And I think WABC dropped the ball with this. I said this, and I'll say it again. I apologize if I make people angry, but we didn't make nearly a big enough deal of this. We made a bigger deal about that stupid Cuomo Scaramucci show than Tony Orlando making the Hall of Fame. I mean, that was a great night. You had David Chase, the guy who created The Sopranos, Tiki Barber, Tony Orlando, Patty Schiappa, Bruce Springsteen's wife. These are major, major people. Our very own Tony Orlando on this station, 10 to midnight on Saturdays, as if he hasn't done enough. So here he is, my good buddy, and now a New Jersey Hall of Famer, Tony Orlando. Tony, congratulations, brother. That's huge. Oh, that's so nice of you to say all that. But I'll tell you something. You're right. It was an unbelievable night for me personally. But if you were there, Sid, as you know, it was an amazing show to see Bruce up there inducting his wife, Dion Warwick and Clive Davis, both inducting me into the Hall of Fame. Oh, my God. That's who inducted you? You had Clive Davis and Dion Warwick? Yes. Oh my God! You're such a you're a huge a star, Tony. You are a huge star. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you. I just you know it's really something. I that one was important to me, and I'll tell you why. Sid, I know I know you a long time now, and I know you have a major heart in your chest. Check this thank out. You. You're me. You go retrospectively when you're on that and receiving this award. Clive Davis introduces you. I've known Clive since I was 16 years old. I'm now 79 years old. The first time my feet ever stood on a stage was at Palisades Amusement Park, introduced by our colleague and friend and family from WABC, the one and only Bruce, cousin Brucey Morrow. Right, right. Introduces a 16-year-old kid with a song written by Carol King called Halfway to Paradise that goes number one on WABC in New York in 1961. I come out on that stage, and there they are at Palisades in New Jersey. Where do I end up? 
64 years later, in the year prior to the year I'm about to retire, I end up in New Jersey Hall of Fame. Wow. Who am I being introduced by? Clive Davis, wow. the great Clive Davis, the incomparable Dionne yeah. Warwick. Yeah. And who do I get up to sing with? You just mentioned the boss, his wife, and Stephen Van Zandt. If you want to talk about going from Bruce to Bruce. Oh, that's funny. You want to go from, you want to want one, the beginning of the rainbow. Yeah. The end of the rainbow. Yeah. That's where it happens. With two classic Bruce's. Yeah. In fact, I heard when, uh, Howard Stern did that great interview with Springsteen. Bruce actually mentioned Bruce Morrow. He, he mentioned the fact that one of the reasons why he thinks he became so popular early on was that a guy like Bruce Morrow, called him cousin Brucey, was playing his record. So, yeah, cause I was wondering, I go, I know Tony and he, He's a New York guy. I don't know how Tony Orlando ends up in the New Jersey Hall of Fame, but I guess it all started right there, so that makes sense. Well, I'll tell you how it started and why I've earned the right to be in there, at least as a member of the city of Union City, New Jersey. When I was, let's see, when I was 12 and a half, 13 years old, the ILGWU came into 25th Street where I was living between Eighth and Ninth Avenue in my tenement building all my life from when I was born. So that moment when they tore down those tenement buildings to build the projects which are there right now on Twenty Eighth Street, you know, Twenty Seventh, Twenty Sixth. Yeah. So we had to move. My mom and my dad and us we all moved to Union City, New Jersey. Then uh-huh. things went well. I had a hit record because of Bruce Morrow when I was 16 years old, and I moved up to North Bergen. Then I had another hit record, and I moved up to Fort Lee. Then things got really good. I ended up with a television show and moved to Hasbro Heights, New Jersey. Oh, you've been all over New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. 16 to 28 years old. Oh, that's funny. You know, and uh, I'm getting text messages. So are you. We're all part of the same group text from John Katsimatidis. Congratulations. The lovely Margot Katsimatidis. Fantastic. So well-deserved. Congratulations. And, of course, uh, we all need to thank John and Margot me certainly with the success i'm having in the mornings and getting people like you on the radio here on saturday night so uh thank you to john and margo for that and uh, they're so really? happy for your success you, john. yeah uh, you know i lived in new thank jersey you. for a thank short you, time back in uh 2004 we bought a house Danielle and i in tenafly and i loved it there in bergen county and ended up losing my job at the fan had to move down to boca but i loved uh, i love jersey as well but i must tell you you're not going to find a bigger Springsteen fan than me, even though our politics are light years apart. And I usually hate people who don't agree with me politically, but I've, I've carved out a, a special, I guess you could almost go with um, grandfather clause for Bruce because I love him so much. And Stephen Van Zandt, I don't know if you know this, is literally one of my best friends. But with all that said, the other guy you shared the, sa- the uh, stage with on, on uh, over the weekend, Tony Orlando, is David Chase. And you know I'm tight with all those Sopranos guys. In fact, uh, Steve Schwipper was on this show just a week and a half ago. How cool was that, David Chase? Well, the whole night was cool. David was cool. Uh, of course, the great Mark got up and sang it. He sings side by side 42 years with Billy Joel. I was standing. Picture this. Picture this for a minute. You love Bruce. I love Bruce. Yes. I'm standing in the wings. I'm sitting with Dion Warwick, ready to get on. Who comes walking up to me, singing, singing my first hit record when I was 16? I hear this voice going, 
halfway to paradise. I turn around and it's Bruce Springsteen. That's unbelievable. Singing a song I recorded Jeez. 64 That's years ago. Wow. With yeah. a smile on his face. Look at you. I'm not kidding you. Look at you. Did a, you know that great <laughs> smile he has? Yeah. That smile and his wife hugging me. I, I don't think I can ever remember a more glorious moment. But my gl- Tony, look, Tony, let's be honest, okay? That was the best it's sex the you ever had, right? Is that fair to say that was the best sex you ever had? <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It was. No, no, really, it was. Hey, look, I've worked with everybody from Jackie Gleason to Jackie Wilson in my 64 years in this business. I have been blessed. You know, six, I would have been happy with 64 hours in show business. Yeah. Wow. And, and you know, it was with Clive. I ran the music division for Clive Davis for four years when I was 28 years old. Amazing. Well, listen. So I had a wonderful uh, time as an executive with yeah, Clive. Yeah. But, but if you have the time, just listen to this one little thing. Clive Davis was the lawyer at Columbia Records when I signed with Epic Records when I was 16 years old. Okay. I had to go there with my mom. Because I wasn't old enough to sign a recording contract. He was the lawyer I met in 1961. Amazing. These are all great stories. Listen, uh, you're a wonderful guy. The years I've known you, you really are one of the sweetest men I've ever met. Just sweet. And you'd never know you were a major success. It's never gone to your head. You're you're a regular guy from New York, but you're not. So congratulations on your new New Jersey Hall of Fame and singing with Bruce. Tony Orlando, you know Sid Rosenberg loves you. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. God bless you. That's Tony Orlando. What a night for Tony Orlando, huh? Come on, baby. Tony Orlando. We'll come back and go live to Israel. Hate to um, change the conversation and change the mood, but we will go to Alex Trayman coming up next. Friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Tom Petty. Running theme today. So you can't make this up. So I put on my Instagram page. My daughter Ava's friend got beat up on the Lower East Side because he's Jewish. His name is Rafi. And I told you some of the celebrities that have hopped on the page to help out. Now, I've gotten confirmation from both Pete Morgan and Justin Ellick that this is real. It's got to be 121,000 followers. The latest to donate money to Ava's friend's page. And all he wrote was, done with a heart, with a heart. You ready for this? Congressman George Santos. No, my sweaty God, it's him. 
He That's just, crazy. That is crazy. It's, are you sure it's the George? Uh, Colin, yeah. Okay, Colin. so I just Googled. He has two Instagram accounts. Now, this one seems like it's legit. Right. But then he has a verified account. Obviously. Well, this one's got 121,000 followers. I understand. But then he's got another one that's Rep. George Santos. Right. That one's verified. Uh, but How that, many bottles is that one? That have? one only has 6,000 followers. Yeah, you see, I'm, I'm telling you, so, the, the, the think, real one. Yeah, this hmm. might this this might be the, the account that he uses as yeah. his personal account. That sounds real. Instagram yeah. Yeah. He yeah. said the word done with a red heart. George hmm. Santos helping out the Jews. Let's go live to Jerusalem. Alex Trayman has been, he should get an Emmy. Between the work he's done for Noam and me every morning, I mean this sincerely. I'm not being uh, exaggerating here. He should get an Emmy. JNS uh, dot org. Uh, Alex Trayman, live from just outside Jerusalem. Good morning, Alex. Same question as always. How are you doing today? Good morning, Sid. We're doing well, thank you. Well, that is good to hear. So, what do you think? Uh, you know, the the president of the United States uh, continues to show that he's not really pro-Israel, despite the rhetoric. Again, he wanted you guys to wait to go in. Then he's asking for a pause while you're fighting the, the bad guys. Now there's a new report from Tom Cotton and Mark Levin that he's uh, basically threatening the Israelis when it comes to providing fuel for Hamas, which is not using the fuel for hospitals and civilians, but rather for their tunnels and their rockets. Everything that Biden has done, even going back to what he's done with Iran, says this guy couldn't care less about the Israelis, and now now even his rhetoric is saying that. How do you guys feel in Israel? Yeah, it feels like we're getting squeezed on all sides. As you mentioned, you know, at the beginning, this administration and the Obama administration funding Iran, which is giving money to these terror proxies, which ultimately uh, was the leading cause of this war. Uh, and then once this war developed, there was the delaying the the push to delay the ground incursion now you're hearing that uh blinken's primary objective here is to try to get humanitarian pauses in the middle of the fighting and we're also reading reports that the members of the administration say that there's a limited window of time in order to complete the operation so it's a delay in the beginning pauses in the middle and a limited amount of time to complete it but uh, i'll tell you i think that the the war is going on uh and it's it's going on uh, with with tremendous intensity, uh, and and I don't necessarily believe that uh, the Biden administration is going to be successful in getting Israel to pause, let alone stop the fighting until Hamas has been completely rooted out. Please don't. I know Blinken is there. I can't stand him either, but please don't. I know Netanyahu won't do it. You know, he um, he still sees the visions, and so do I, of, uh, you know, that young girl, the German tattoo artist who was raped and beheaded, uh, stories every day that are still brutal, little babies alive, thrown in ovens, which really takes you back to World War II. He's not going to do it, Netanyahu. You know, and, you know, the idea that innocent civilians are getting killed. You got Gail King on CBS in New York this morning. They, she quoted Hamas, Alex. Hamas is claiming 3,600 children killed. By the way, if that's true, we've given them plenty of time and notice to get out. But if that's true, wh- why would Gail King ever quote Hamas is reporting. Do they have any credibility at all? Well, the mainstream media is essentially working for Hamas. They've been uh, Hamas's propaganda machine. The Gaza Health Ministry is an organ of Hamas, so those numbers are coming out of Hamas. You know, remember, we had the hospital bombing, uh, which was uh, an errant Palestinian Islamic Jihad missile, but apparently that was the IDF that 
killed 500 people in the hospital, even though that never happened. And then when a few days ago, when Israel hit the Jabilia uh, refugee camp, which had tunnels and and the major uh, munitions, weapons storage underneath, causing a massive explosion, you heard that that attack killed 400, but then it came down to under 50 again. Uh, so these numbers are not reliable. There's no way to independently verify them. And, and unfortunately, the mainstream media just buys into all these numbers and reports them as if they're as if they're facts on the ground. How close are we getting, Alex Trayman, to a two-front battle for the Israelis in the north? Uh, and I don't know this. Has Hezbollah intensified the fight because supposedly the Hezbollah leader was going to make an announcement today. Maybe he's already made it. Maybe he hasn't. I don't know. But the consensus was he was going to say, here we go, and you're about to fight a two, uh, two battles in the north and in the south. Is that on the horizon, you think, or maybe not? Well, the front's been steadily intensifying, and in this past week we've seen basically nonstop fire across the border. There was reports uh, yesterday that there was an attempted in- intrusion across the border, and the IDF took out uh, at least a dozen uh, Hezbollah cells that were operating close to the border. There's been at least 50 uh, Hezbollah operatives that have been killed in the last several days while Hezbollah continues to fire anti-tank guided missiles and mortars at Israeli positions. Uh, I didn't see all of Hassan Nasrallah's speech. Uh, we just started to get some headlines in the very moments before this call. Uh, but what's being reported is that Nasrallah said uh, that Hamas acted on its own uh, on October 7th and that Hezbollah had no advanced knowledge of the attack. So that could be uh, them trying to distance themselves from what's happening and, and to potentially stay out of the war, uh, knowing that the U.S. aircraft carriers are, are sitting right off the coast of Lebanon and southern Lebanon. And you have also heard calls inside Lebanon for the removal of Hezbollah. So there could be a lot of pressure that uh, Hezbollah is feeling, especially seeing what the IDF is doing in Gaza. They don't necessarily want the IDF to be doing that 10 times over in southern Lebanon. How far in do you think our guys are at this point? I know they made it through the front line relatively quickly and were making their way towards, hopefully, even the hostages. I don't know. But how far in do you think our troops are at this point? Well, they're operating uh, very deep inside the the northern section of the Gaza Strip. Uh, The the Strip is not that wide. It's about 15 miles wide uh, from from where it starts till you get to the Mediterranean. And from what we've seen reported by the IDF, uh, essentially they have already cordoned off uh, a quarter of the Gaza Strip and basically, uh, you know, Taken, taking control of, of a quarter, and they've circled uh, Gaza City, which is the largest city in northern Gaza. Um, and it, it seems as though they're they're operating with great, great efficiency, probably ahead of schedule from what what we can what we can gather here. Uh, and if if they keep it up, uh, there, sh- there should be a, a fast victory. But even a fast victory could take weeks, if not months. Hey, Alex, do you get the sense from the Israeli folks? And again, this is Alex Trayman. He's there, folks. He's living it not some dopey, overpaid CBS lady in New York. Do you get the feeling that the Israelis, uh, for the most part, agree with you and I that no pauses, no ceasefires, go in there and do what you got to do? If innocents die, hey, that's war. They started it. Do you get the sense that they agree with us? Yeah, of course. You know, there's over 240 hostages uh, remaining inside the Gaza Strip. You know, when people are talking about humanitarian pauses, you know, what about releasing of hostages in exchange for humanitarian pauses? You know, as long as there are 
so many Israelis in the Strip, and as long as Israeli soldiers are on the ground inside the Strip, and, and Israel values its soldiers, uh, you know, to to the hundredth degree, you know, and uh, so as long as they're fighting, as long as they're at risk, uh, there's not going to be a stopping, and the the people here want a complete and total victory over Hamas. You're seeing even people here that uh, were pro-peace, pro-Palestinian, you know, let's give it a chance, let's live together. They've really turned. I, I don't think people around the world understand how the Israeli psyche has changed since October 7th, and I, and I don't think that the sentiments are going to go back to the way they yeah. were on October 6th, the day before this happened, anytime soon. Well, they don't want to understand because they hate the Jews. I mean, bottom line, the, even Biden, Obama, all these are phonies. You know that, Alex, they're phonies. Now, you don't have to worry about that with me, but... God, we're surrounded by people that just don't care and administrations before and after Trump that care even less. I mean, look at this, for example. The Israelis uh, very nicely gave these Palestinians, these poor, innocent folks who were taught at a very early age to hate and kill the Jews. uh, They gave them plenty of time to get out, plenty of time. And then what happened? All your neighboring Arab uh, neighbors, I should say, all your Arab neighbors, all those countries, they all said to a man, we don't want them. What do you mean you don't want them? They're your neighbors. They're your people. What does that tell you when Egypt and Jordan and all these countries go, no, 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 no. We don't want them. I don't know, Alex Streaming. That says a lot to me. It tells you both the view that they have of the Palestinians, which is a very, very low opinion, and it also tells you the view of they have of Israel, which is that they're happy to see Israel be uh, demonized and delegitimized for, for killing as many civilians as possible. But those civilians are, are trapped in there by Hamas. And the, the number one thing that Anthony Blinken should be doing on his trip to the region is getting that Rafa border crosser crossing open and having the various uh, countries in the region willing to accept you know, tens of thousands, if not more, uh, Palestinians and, and that want to flee the war zone. And he himself should say, should lead by example and say, look, we're willing to accept 50,000, 100,000 refugees, and we're calling on other countries to do the same. Why on earth would, would refugees be trapped inside this war zone? I mean, Israel itself took in over 35,000 refugees from the war in the Ukraine. You know, in every war situation, people want to get out. Civilians want to leave. Yet, uh, by all accounts, the Palestinians in, in Gaza are being trapped in there, and Israel is being blamed for that. Unbelievable. Well, listen, uh, good job on this Friday, and uh, I do want to talk a bunch next week if you're still up to it and still doing it, because i got to tell you, I've interviewed a bunch of folks, mostly you, but a bunch of folks, and uh, you are by far the best, by far. So be safe. Good Shabbos. We'll do it again next week. Okay, pal? Thanks so much, Sid. Come on, man. You're the man. Don't thank me. I thank you. Alex Trayman, live from Jerusalem, JNS.org. We'll, uh, we'll get a traffic update from Joe Nolan, but, but when the show is over today, I'm going to play something very special that I think Alex Trayman and all my Jewish friends will appreciate with, again, Shabbos coming up tonight, including my friend Rabbi Epstein or Epstein at the West End Temple. I think she's going to like this. That is coming up before we say goodbye and hand it off to Brian Kilmeade at 10. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
Today, run is a theme. This is the best one of all. Born to run, my guy Bruce Springsteen. You know, Justin is such a jerk. Justin Ellick. Oh, do you know another one? Well, I mean, you're just a, a horrible person. I, what did I do? And I know your mother, and she's a sweet lady. But, yeah, what did I do? You know, George Santos, for all the lousy, uh, <laughs> I did not. All the lousy press that poor guy gets. Yeah. Big deal, he lied about a couple of things. So what? A couple. You want to get rid of people in Congress, get rid of all the Jew haters, get rid of the Talib and Omar and AOC and those lowlifes. The guy lied on his entire Wikipedia. Don't worry, so did you. How'd you, how'd you get this job? <laughs> yeah, so it turns out that I put this uh, GoFundMe thing on my Instagram for Ava's friend Rafi. And uh, George Santos, thank the giant tobacco. George Santos, it is him, actually gave 180 bucks, mm. 10 times high. And instead of Justin saying, wow, that was really nice, he goes, eh, probably use somebody else's credit card. <laughs> it's actually really funny. That was a good one by me, right? Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, folks, we're going to end up uh, the week. Uh, Pete Morgan, great to see you. I love you desperately. Oh, you guys are the best. I want your Stanley Cup uh, tickets for the Rangers. Uh, Lou Rafino, amazing job this week. Justin Alec, Noam Layden, Jimmy Flippin, I'm proud of all of you. We're going to close out this week with his, uh, this is the Israeli National Anthem, a song that we actually sang in uh, Temple. Excuse me. Yes, in Temple at a Shabbat dinner. Me, Danielle, and Gabriel just two weeks ago. It's a beautiful song. It's called Hatikva. To my friend, my uh, Israeli and uh, Jewish friends out there, good Shabbos. We'll talk to you Monday morning at 6. This is Hatikva. Be 
Sold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For hundred and thirty more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy. Always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May tenth. See Home Club for details.